0: Episode 128, Hotshot Scott. Subscribe, listen, rate, and tell a few friends.
1: You know, last time I was in this room, we did the P episode for yeah. our lovely patrons, and we talked about... The new studio. Yeah, but we also talked about me throwing myself out that window because of how many views <laughs> and likes people are getting, and we just came to the
0: conclusion maybe we're not as talented as we think. Uh, or just now coming to that? Yeah, oh, because yeah, because all these people with limited amounts of entertainment value got a yes. hundred million views on TikTok, and we can't get twelve. All right, right.
1: we have a, a new low. Are you ready for this? I was sitting in my office, and my Gmail was on one screen. It's really bright. I was like, I yeah. want a way to darken that. Yeah. I probably could have just hit the power button. So, but I went to YouTube. I was like, There's got to be like a just a black screen that I can put up there. Oh, there is. Uh, it's a 24-hour video of 4K darkness. I don't know what that means. No audio, nothing. 11,582,000 views.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I, what, what, what was this for now? I guess I don't I just understand. wanted to
1: dark out my screen because it was kind of bright and I was trying to watch something on the other one. It was just kind of oh, bugging me. It was really bright. Why don't you bright. put it
0: to sleep or something,
1: no? Yeah, I don't know. I just was like, yeah. I need to find... But I've come to the conclusion people would rather watch and hear nothing then listen to us talk. I mean, and here's the kicker, the guy, oh, the guy who posted no. a wrote, "Hey, I'm back with a black screen. 14 hours and 1 minute. <laughs> it's longer than my last one, but it's HD like many. Have a nice day and thanks for the ad revenue." Just to drive the stake a little deeper into my heart. So there you go. We'll start the show with now,
0: that. Now, 127P <laughs> was the first show that we did from the new studio. That's right, yes. I'm calling this a studio. It's not sure. really a studio. Yeah. Is it a studio? or is it, this is I the think fir- so. And this is the first real show, real Monday show, oh, yeah. that we've done from the new studio. Good call. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so, you, I see yeah. you got
1: stuff set up over here. Four chairs. You don't up. notice anything else? Well, I noticed that there was one snacks and those got removed after one show.
0: You don't notice anything else? 139, dollars lady, or don't you don't remember anything, you don't see anything else? Well, I'm sitting in a pretty comfy chair I've noticed. 139 Ooh. smackers at Office Depot, Ergonomic. and I Ooh. built it. You did. Yes. Because we decided this whole routine of me having a nice chair and you not—you yeah. sitting in a little white chair—those uh-huh. days are over. Was I sitting- You deserve a lot more credit based on what I'm seeing. Oh people write on the unfiltered <laughs> sure. uh, Apple page. Wait, what was I sitting in before? I seriously—was it just like a hard plastic? See, the chair? fact that you don't remember no. makes me want to take that back and get my $139 <laughs> back. We now have matching chairs. I noticed I two of them.
1: Believe me, I noticed when I sat down. It's very, very—it's it's, very wide and comfy, right? Did you have to throw in wide? I mean, is that the part you had to well, focus on? Yeah, it's I is. got it wide for me, too. Yeah. yeah. It's very Microsoft. It's very nice. Yeah. It's,
0: it's nice. Very, very
1: comfortable. I prefer yeah. a gaming chair. I would have liked to have been so asked. You know. So
0: <laughs> now we're upstairs in the house. Yeah. You don't have the heat factor. It's nice and cool. And cl- you don't, I don't see a Schwitz in not yet. yet. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got the new, uh, the new studio, the new digs. Thank you. I'll send out a picture on Twitter at uh, Seattle underscore Mitch. That's not the dash. That's, that's right, yes.
1: We're recording earlier than normal, so I'm just yeah. kind of curious what, on Sunday, yeah. what sort of brunch items I'll be enjoying throughout the show. <laughs> <You> <laughs> what, get, get what have you prepared for us <laughs> Is there a quiche or something? <laughs> I prepared raccoon.
0: Where are we on oh. raccoon?
1: Well, I did tell you. We the... have
0: raccoons now.
1: Well, you probably always did. You just happened to see one, I'm guessing, right? I
0: mean, uh, At least one, maybe two. I, I'm, oh. We're watching them sleep in the tree now. Oh, really? Right outside in our backyard. We've got a little puppy... I don't know whether to be scared or worried about that. Where are you on raccoons? If Would I you like me to prepare you a little bunch fried <laughs> raccoon? Yes, please. It's funny because you look at a raccoon and the, the raccoon is sleeping up in the tree with its face facing me. And I look at the raccoon's face and I'm equally disgusted. <laughs> and yet he's cute or she's cute. There's a cuteness yeah, to him. For sure. And a disgusting element. I'm not sure which one I'm. I don't know what's pulling at me more—the disgusting part or the cuteness. I love the opposable
1: thumb. They have five fingers like humans. That's kind of weird too. So they're very good at opening lids and getting you know getting into stuff because they got that little thumb. <laughs> they can spin a dreidel. <laughs> That's right. <they> can, <laughs> easily, yep. Yeah. They can play craps up against the wall. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, but raccoons are they, they. are weirdly cute, aren't they? They're furry. They got the little bandit mask.
0: Yeah, they look like they're they're bank robbers. They do little yeah. bank robbers.
1: Adorable. But then if you see them gnash their teeth and their little uh, claws and yeah. I told you I got once chased I once got chased at the Cairo radio parking lot in downtown Seattle. Really? I think there was a mama that had babies and
0: You sure that wasn't Mike Salk?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not, as a matter of fact. That would mean he wants to interact with me, so I don't think it was him. <laughs> But um, oh. I think she might have had babies in the bushes. Yeah, because I start walking to my car and she starts tearing after me. It scared the crap out of me.
0: Oh, why was she scared? Why, why? Because I, she, I know, think she had babies. She, so felt, had she felt threatened.
1: Felt threatened. Yeah, yeah. I was coming kind of near the nest. But well, yeah, we've
0: got at least one, maybe two, right in a tree, right outside in the backyard where Misty likes to run around. Yeah, I read up on it this morning when I first saw them. I got right on the internet. Oh, you did. That's what we do now. That's right. What would have happened in 1978 if I saw raccoons? Mm-hmm. I would have no. Pl- I'd have to start making phone calls from my. My rotary phone. Yeah. Um, You have to call an
1: uncle who may live in the woods or something. Yeah, with a shotgun. Come on over. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And what I've concluded from the articles that I've read online is that the raccoon is of no particular danger to your dog unless the dog corners the raccoon Mm. and the raccoon doesn't feel like it has any place to go. Right. Like if the raccoon comes out of the tree in the fenced-in yard and then Misty starts to chase the raccoon around and it's in a corner, it might fight back. Like most animals would. Like most humans would. Like you would. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, who wouldn't if you're stuck in a corner? Yeah, I I don't know raccoons to kill cats and dogs. I don't know. Nah, I don't think that's really I am creeped out that it's out there, though. Oh, you are?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Cute, but gross. Right.
1: Gross in and, and which way that they I might... I don't
0: know. That disease. I don't know. Oh, just a wild in animal. In the garbage can. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't they know do that.
1: love getting into garbage. You got to be careful. Do they? Yeah, on garbage night. Yeah. Bring your cans in the next day like a normal person. <laughs> as opposed to my neighbors. <laughs> that leave it out there, there for always.
0: Yeah, I know exactly why. <laughs> we got a letter from the neighborhood community. All <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, subscribe, listen, rate and tell a few friends. The tell a few friends is important because we still know that there's a lot of people out there that know of Hot Shot from the T-Man show or me from KJR and still don't know that we're doing a uh, a podcast, Mitch Unfiltered exists. So if you could tell a few friends, that would be nice. And if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple, that's also helpful to the whole Apple podcast algorithm. Algorithm. Yeah, yeah. So I like to read some of these. Oh, this boy. one this says, this is a beauty. 5 stars from Albert H. Seinfeld Cartwright, whatever that means. Oh, five stars. Okay, next five stars. Go on, excellent show. Even though Hotshot doesn't <laughs> oh, seem it. to get it. That's that's the that's the uh, the title of the. <laughs> In uh, general, I don't get things. This or... is fantastic. Okay, go on. Love this show. Was such a. This is on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Love this show. Was such a fan of Mitch's when he was on the radio. Would listen on the drive into school. I don't like that part.
1: That makes you feel old, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. God.
0: How many times do I get that? Yeah. Oh, I love your show. I remember when my dad picked me up from preschool. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be listening. Yeah, we used
1: to get my parents wouldn't let us listen to you in the car. Uh, we used to get that all the time, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's no fun. Yep. Uh, and continued when I moved across the country for college. Even got on the air once during a college internship from Philadelphia. Anyways, the podcast has been a great way for me to stay in touch with Seattle sports and get my Mitch fix. Always excellent interviews and a great attitude. One thing I've noticed, though, is that it seems like Hotshot doesn't really get it, question mark. (laughs) I don't know exactly what it is, Mm. but it seems like he's a little out of touch with sports. (laughs) Love him to death. And he's a great co-host to Mitch. Not if he hated me. But I think he lacks a sort of general understanding of sports and general happenings. Mm. Sometimes he seems like he's with it, like an old uncle. Sometimes he seems like he's with it. I know his name. But then he'll he'll have a take on football that's just off. (laughs) Also... (laughs) <laughs> and this could be way off but Mitch seems to have that Seinfeldian way of looking at the world and Hotshot does not have that mm. maybe I don't know what I'm talking about he writes either way love the pod love Mitch and honestly I love Hotshot even if he lacks it in quotation marks keep up the great work can we limit the this amount is of- all
1: right on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, can right we limit there? the amount of characters on reviews <laughs> in the future I mean, holy shit I mean, how long is he gonna go here there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack there.
0: So, what is the it that you don't have? Have you? Have you? I sent this to you via text. Yeah. I wanted you to be prepared to read it. You probably had already read it, for all I know. You're you're on top of these oh, things. Oh,
1: that's what I live for. <laughs> I live for reviews to see what people say about me. What is
0: the it factor that you don't have? Do you want to explore this? You want to lie down? There's a couch right behind you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we could uh, we could bring the analyst in, counselor in. What is it that you're lacking, Hotshot? Is
1: he, What's the it? Well, I can't decide. Is he talking about like my my sports knowledge? It?
0: Well, I thought that's what he was talking about, and then he went uh, he went off on a on a tangent. The way I look at the world versus the way you look at the world. Yeah, that you don't have the it factor. Uh And And apparently I have the it factor, which is nice to know after all these years that I have the it factor. It's good
1: to know that an intern thinks you're talented. That's good. (laughs) No, a former. We were all interns once. (laughs) I didn't didn't watch Seinfeld, so I don't really know what he's talking about there. Just like odd views on stuff. I don't know. Don't know. As far as sports goes, I've said it before. What vibe have I given off that I'm the world's biggest sports fan? Like I think it's clear I watch sports but I don't I don't live and die like a lot of our listeners do. So uh, that I could sort of get. I'm not I'm I not-
0: kind of like it. Well, I kind of like the. I mean, if you gave me the choice, I suppose if you gave me the choice of having somebody that was really sports centric and really knew more than I know.
1: Like Wink, more for than, instance, our old producer Wink. He loves it he, every day. If he was sitting here, he'd be correcting you nonstop. It'd be, a, you know, I just, yeah, I like sports. I like, but, I
0: like the fact that you like it, but maybe you don't throw yourself into it as much as maybe I do or our audience does. That brings a different kind of all right. Personality, and here I am defending you, but it brings a a, a different kind of personality to the to the show. There was a time in my life when I liked
1: sports as much as anyone. Like there weren't many people who liked it more than me. And then I I wrote down a list of seven. I think I came up with seven reasons why I don't really watch sports like I used to. Really,
0: seven reasons Hotshot Scott doesn't
1: like sports as much as he used to. Seven or eight, but I I won't bore everyone with them. But I definitely don't watch like I
0: used to. There's no question. What happened? Oh, you really want to get? I don't. I, I don't want to know the eight. Can you just give me a, a blanket yeah. statement about where you or are you kind of saying this to make fe- people believe that you once were really into it well, when you re- really were always kind of the way you are no, now No no that's the, you, Is it possible you were just always no, and you're kind of sensey poo no, about
1: that You've seen some of the references I've come up with from the 80s that blow you like holy I did not think you would know yeah, that
2: yeah,
3: I kinda, So yeah. I, yeah
1: so I've I watched <laughs> a lot of sports I mean I went to, okay. I, I interned at KJR cuz I sports was my life And I mean, then what happened So one of them I realized was um, when I lost my job,
0: which job did you, which job are we talking about? The Microsoft job, the, uh, well, when which, I, jo- which job? The why
1: exactly. Yeah. Been a the, McDonald's, list. the McDonald's <laughs>
0: job for eating the McNuggets. What, what, which job?
1: When I left KJR <laughs> yeah. and I was unemployed, yeah. sports kind of had to take a back burner. I kind of had to focus on my, Other stuff, on my team and yeah. how I'm supposed to provide for a family. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I just, it just kind of took a back burner. And even before that, when the Sonics left, that really was like, okay, wh- why am I so invested in this? The owners don't give a crap.
0: Yeah, It is just up and go. They don't so care the if you're Sonics a big fan. Leaving changed I, you. That
1: was that and was, and you losing one.
0: your job at KJR. That
1: was another one. And then actually working at KJR, I swear, when I was doing it with gas, I saw like how how, how much people loved. Like it was a crazy fandom, and the correcting yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I was like, what?
0: But what about all those yeah. years that you were doing FM morning radio? Were you a huge sports fan then, or were you like you are now?
1: I was probably bigger then. But I, again, I, I can't sit and watch it all day long. I mean, I no. was you know getting up early, no. and I, we were, we weren't talking sports all day. So that that's part of it too. When I started doing ten years on an FM show, so yeah, there's a bunch of reasons. So yeah, I, I don't think I've ever said, I don't think I've ever said on the world's biggest sports fan, right? I mean, you never thought that when I started sitting here. No, yeah.
0: no, I I never thought that ever. <laughs> Come on, now there was a time. No, there was a time. No, I've always viewed you as a as a sports, as a normal dude who likes sports. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's classify it that way. Always, though? even when Always, I- always. Now, I may be wrong. I'm not saying always. I was right. I, I'm not saying I was right. Yeah. But, I, you know, there are certain people I view as... Yeah. Uh, by the way, by the way, there are a lot of people, maybe even in our audience, or people who refuse to listen to this podcast, <laughs> that would, what, would think of me that way. Hmm. I got that for 20-something years because I was the guy who would talk about other stuff on oh. KJR, which would annoy people. And for some, that would be an indication, an indicator that Mitch really isn't into sports like Furness is or like Softy is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, I, I always kind of bristle at that because I think I, I follow it probably more than all those guys combined. At least I have over the years. Yeah, yeah. But just because I tend to want to talk about other things, that seems to be that. Oh, there you go. There, there, there's the sign. Yeah, Mitch doesn't know about sports as much as the other people, <laughs> May, and maybe they're right. I don't know. So, the, so t- are there any other? But reviews? I always, but I always looked at you as more of a. I don't know, a pop culture guy that likes sports, played football, yeah. will watch the Seahawks play, will watch the Sonics play, but doesn't get into the X's and O's and doesn't get into the stats and is not really a hmm. sports nick like the people on sports radio. That's a that's the way I, from the day I met you in nineteen ninety five. Oh, that's really? the way I've always viewed always viewed
1: you. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that wasn't yeah. true. I was yeah. as into it Might as anyone. Have been true. <laughs> the, the, the X's and O's part is funny because I actually coached high school football. As yeah. a, I but how about
0: it. baseball? I X's and an O's of baseball. X's yeah. and O's at basketball. nine years. Played nine years, played nine years golf. of baseball. Golf. golf. I never golf. thought of you as a guy who knows a seven iron from an eight iron. I definitely could
1: tell the difference because <laughs> there's a number on them. <laughs> and I know it has to do with the angle. See, I know golf. And uh, I have a story about your boy Patrick Reed oh in my boy. notes.
0: My boy Patrick Reed.
1: And then I saw you shit on someone on Twitter who wanted to engage with you. You kind of shut him down and... I didn't, think, I didn't shut anybody down. I didn't think that was very kind of you. To I didn't shut it. The, what
0: did I say? What nah, did I do? I, really I didn't shut anybody down. He said, and
1: we don't know this or something kind of snippy at him.
0: Oh, no, I was that was a joke. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, it, was it was a, a joke. joke. Oh, okay. Oh, That's yeah, right, because yeah. you,
1: you have it and I don't, so I wouldn't understand that <laughs> as far as what a joke is. Yeah.
0: Well, let me tell you about the three guests who have it that will be on this episode 128, and then we can actually start the show, because as you know, we haven't started the show yet. All right? Yep. I always talk about guests that fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. So our first guest fell out of the sky. Now, we haven't talked about Captain Plum yet on the show, which I'd like to do when we actually start the show. But every once in a while, you get a guest that you really don't know what you're getting into, and then you find out when you do it or when you're prepared for it that, oh, my God, there's a lot to this guy. So he didn't literally fall out of the sky like Captain Plum did? No, he... <laughs> Right, I mean that's. I mean. No, I wasn't shooting at him okay, as he was gotcha. falling out of the stand. All sky. right, all right, that's right. Figuratively, when Henry Aaron died, I started thinking about what creatively could we do on Mitch Unfiltered in terms of guests. Okay. The first thing I thought was one of those two knuckleheads that's still alive that ran with him around third base home. When he, when he, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, awesome. They got to be sixty years. Those guys have to be sixty years old, seventy years old, yes. and they could tell the story of why they jumped out of the stands to run with Henry Aaron as Great. a. I thought that. And then the other idea that I had that I thought would be easier to track down, and of course everything that's easier is easier, was if you recall, a bullpen guy, a guy in the Atlanta Braves bullpen, caught the ball on the fly. Okay. Yeah, we discussed that. That's right, yeah. Bill Buckner in left field for the Dodgers climbed up the wall, and a, a, a Braves pitcher in the Braves bullpen caught the ball on the fly. Right. His name is Tom House. Okay. And I thought, let's either get one of the two knuckleheads. Yeah. (laughs) Or let's get Tom House, talk about what it was like to catch number 715 and then present it. He then ran to present. What I didn't realize is that Tom House is a hell of a story for the last 50. I had no earthly idea. He was this journeyman, left-handed bullpen guy who caught Hank Aaron's ball. Yeah who turned into this pitching guru and, and resurrected Nolan Ryan's career and was here, and, and he was born and raised in Seattle, and what? he pitched for the Mariners, and on top of it all, he fixed Randy Johnson. I mean, I... This is That's what I'm crazy. saying, falling out of the yeah, sky. Yeah. I was just trying to get a guy who caught a ball <laughs> yeah. from heading Aaron and wanted to know what that was like to tell the story. Amazing. And then I find out that he's this modern-day pitching guru. He also works with He's worked with Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I mean, he's just ball like— sports? Anyone who can throw, he can he, fix. <laughs> he's, he's, unbelie- he's, he's, a, he's a master of the, of the throwing motion Amazing. in Southern California. He's lived this incredibly interesting life. And so he's like in his 70s. Yeah, and yeah. so I hunted him down and I found him and he's on the show. Now, to enjoy him, I'm just going to tell you, he's in his 70s. It's not a fast-moving segment. I'm a little concerned for the for the audience, the part of the audience that likes the interviews that are kind of quick-moving, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Uh-huh. This is not a quick-moving discussion and you'll hear it. But if you sit down and you he he just tells great stories about watching Randy Johnson at 28. Yeah. Not be able to throw the ball over the plate and going up to him. He tells the whole story of what he did to change him and all, how it fixed him like that and, and
1: how many saw Young's
0: later? Right? Yeah. I mean
1: a few. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So he, this, this
0: guy's got and so he was Henry Aaron's teammate, Henry Aaron's buddy, caught the ball, and then it the, turns out that the the reason he caught the ball is he knew where to stand. He knew exactly where it was going. It was all pre orchestrated because Henry Aaron could not hit a left hander's changeup. He was hmm. having trouble in his career hitting a left-handed changeup, and this guy's a left-hander. So they used to go out on the side right before this incident and he would throw him change ups. And he he was teaching Henry Aaron, the great Henry Aaron, how to hit left-handers changeups. And he knew exactly where Aaron hit him. Amazing. And so he stationed himself right there. He said, I didn't have to move a foot. It came right to me. I knew exactly where it was going. That's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. The, the whole interview is crazy. I, I
1: Of all of the things you've said, I can't believe that he didn't just pocket the ball and try to sneak out of the stadium to go sell it for a He's going to tell you why. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: And what he got for it. Oh. All right. He got something for the he ball. He did. Okay. Good. He got yeah, yeah. A little something.
1: It's very ball. nice of him just to give it back. Yeah. So I'm glad he so got it. So Tom a lot of House
0: will be story number one. Can't wait. Story number two is the Pac 12 needs a new commissioner. They do. And there's been a name that's interesting that's floating around. You know what that name is? Well, I, not only do I know, but.
1: If he happens to take this job or he's offered it, I'm going to ask him for a job because I'm unemployed (laughs) still.
0: (laughs) I thought I'm unemployed, too. Aren't I unemployed, too? Are you going to sit in an office for
1: nine hours at a desk? I don't see it. Yeah, you're not.
0: Rick Neuheisel's name has now started to surface as a potential candidate for Pac-12 commissioner. Yes, but Rick Neuheisel's kind of a different would be a different candidate. Normally, those guys are former athletic directors. He's not a former athletic director, so rich Pac-12 history. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Played, coached. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Huge Pac-12 history. So I figured, let's get Rick Neuheisel on and ask him the question right directly: A, do you want the job? And B, would they want you? And would you be good for the job? Yeah. And. I got him on and answer, he's answered all the questions. I can't wait for my <laughs>
1: my future boss. Can't wait to hear what he says.
0: <laughs> Rick Neuheisel on whether he wants to be Pac-12 commissioner or not. And then I just figured we need. Now this is a this is kind of interesting because I reached out to our executive producer Steve Dion. I've heard of about about the idea of doing on episode 128 a segment on GameStop. Right. Is there a bigger story in the world. Forget sports. Is there a bigger story right now in the world than the Wall Street shenanigans surrounding GameStop and shorting uh stop short squeeze? And the short squeeze yeah, yeah. and Robin Hood and oh, banners a, are flying Is there over a bigger story right now? So I reach out to, to Steve without you knowing, I reach out to Steve and say don't we need to shouldn't we do and he immediately poo-poos the idea. Nobody's interested. What? Really? Yeah. I, I, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> the whole world is interested in this. He's like, no, no, no. Either people don't understand it, understand it and it goes in, in one ear and out the other. Okay. Or the people who do understand it, they don't care. <clears throat> he immediately said, and I was like, uh, should I just take Steve Dion's word for it or yeah. should I ask Scott? Oh, yeah. So then I go over to the other texting thread With, where you're yeah. on it and I said, give me an idea without telling you that he had said this and I had said that. Yeah. And you immediately said, of course. Yeah. Of course.
1: of course. To me, I mean, at least in it's my no world. It's a no-brainer, right? Yeah, I thought, yeah.
0: You said you have, uh, you know, 10 dipshits that you... That, <laughs> <which> you <said. laughs> I'm on a text thread with like 10
1: dipshit high school friends, and that's all they're talking about. It's driving me crazy. Robin Hood and this. And, yeah, yeah it's, GameStop. And you go on TMZ, there's like 10 stories. Uh, you, know, the, you know the big bull in Manhattan's financial district out front? Yeah. That's covered in a tarp now because they don't want it to get damaged. I have another story about a banner that flew. It, yeah, it's everywhere. So I was like, of course.
0: Let's so I invited uh, Jeff Dix... Uh, one of the one of the partners at Evergreen Gov call Thanks. our sponsor, our yep. partner uh, on the country's biggest story—the story of GameStop and hedge funds—and what exactly he's going to explain exactly what's happening, why it's a phenomenon, why we've never seen it before. Yeah. My my favorite aspect to the story, real quickly, is this guy Ryan Cohen. So so you're you're familiar with the story, right? Sure. That, that all these guys on Reddit uh-huh. have decided, guys and gals, decided to to manipulate the stock and the price went way up after everybody thought it was just going to go out of business. Yep. These little GameStop stores, right? And so the stock went from on January 4th, the stock was selling at 17.25 a share. 17 and a quarter a share yep. on January 4th. When it closed the other day, it closed at like $400 I a share. I saw 413. Yeah. Yep. $400 Amazing. a share. Yeah. So this guy named Ryan Cohen is a Canadian dude, 34 years old. <laughs> Who founded something called Chewy.com? Do you know Chewy.com? If you're a dog owner, you if know. If you're a p- pet owner, you know Chewy.com. You do, right? yes. C H E W Y.com, where yep. you can online buy all your animal needs, whatever you Got A you new got. leash at the house, anything two you days need for your raccoon it. in the back, anything. <laughs> That's right. Raccoon leashes are he great. He founded that. <laughs> oh, wow. And then he sold it, and he made close to a billion dollars on Chewy.com. He's 34 years old. So in December, this guy, Ryan Cohen, who had just sold Chewy.com, decided to make a huge investment in GameStop because he felt like it was a misguided company that was going down the toilet. Yeah. He bought the stock really in, in December. He bought $76 million worth of stock oh, I didn't want to, hear to this. become the biggest shareholder anywhere of GameStop. He, he bought 9 million shares of GameStop and he did it because he wanted to try to help them reinvent the business and turn it around and be make it more of an online business and stop selling games in stores. Kids don't want games in stores anymore. They just download them. He was going to help them re redo the business. So he bought 9 million shares. Not
1: the worst idea because clearly video games aren't going anywhere. Right. So there's the manner in which we buy them. That's right. Exactly right. That's That's why blockbusters go out of business, but Netflix thrives. So
0: 34 year old Ryan Cohen, who had already made close to a billion dollars on Chewy.com. Is that window unlocked?
1: I don't want to hear this number. I don't want to hear it. Bought 9
0: million shares yeah, yeah. for $76 million. As of Friday, his $76 million investment is $3 billion. Yeah, there you go. 34 years old. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and he had nothing yeah. to do. All he did... Was buy the stock in December, try to help them reorganize and restructure, and then sit back and watch this whole thing play out and just know that he was the biggest shareholder.
1: And it wasn't even like he had a premonition this was going to happen. No, no, right. he had
0: no, no, it ain't. no, no idea. No idea.
1: It just fell in his lap. Fell in his lap. Boy, it was last, three billion. It was last on Friday. Three billion fell into your lap <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> Would you eat well that night? <laughs> oh. Uh, it's 34, by the way. 34. 34. Ugh. All right. <laughs> uh, and here we are grinding it out <laughs> in my new chair for $179. Bucks.
0: 139 well, 39. sorry. I tried to oh, give you credit. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Jeez. Okay, so Tom House, the pitcher, Hank Aaron's teammate. Yeah. Rick Neuheisel, do you want to be Pac-12 commissioner? Do they want you? And Jeff Dix of Evergreen Golf Call on the fascination of... Of short squeezing and GameStop and all the shenanigans on Wall Street over the last couple of weeks. And Steve wanted no part of this story; thought it was a bad <laughs> idea. I, mean, I don't know. He
1: does a great job. That's
0: not me telling him how to do his job,
1: but I think he was—he missed that one. I think uh, he missed it.
0: Hot shot! Finally, some good news from Daniel's Broiler. Dining rooms are now open again. South Lake Union. Less shy and Bellevue Place locations, 25% capacity, but I can assure you that the Schwartz family taking every precaution necessary for all of us to return safely. Let's catch up on those special occasions at Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. The Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage with 30-year fixed rates in the twos. More and more unfiltered listeners are spending a few minutes with Jordan Flowers on the phone or a member of his team. It's all it takes to find out the incredible monthly savings of a refinance. Available to you at 425-250-3150, the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers, all working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. 18 locations of Zeke's Pizza now await you. Their dining rooms are open at 25%. The newest is in Kenmore near City Hall. If you're still a bit gun-shy, download the Zeke's Pizza app, order online. Some fabulous pizza and beer will be at your door in no time. Episode 128, it's a good one. It starts right now.
4: Unfiltered.
0: Young, young guy, Shane Waldron, passing game coordinator for Sean McVay. And there's lots of good news and lots of bad news. Good news is he's been around the genius Sean McVay for five or however many years. Okay. That's good news. The bad news is Jared Goff is essentially what he accomplished. Unfiltered. If you are a wagering type, you can get the Chiefs minus three points against Tom Brady. Mahomes minus three or Brady plus three with an over under of 55. See, this is the problem. The public loves the favorite and the over. Favorite and the over. Favorite and the over. Now here I am going favorite (laughs) and the
4: over. Mitch is
0: unfiltered. Officially underway is episode 128, and I am not $3 billion richer like Ryan Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Is he a married guy? Is he just. I don't is- know much about his family now. Oh.
1: What a life. What a life. Is he gonna, Is he just going to be done, or is he just going to keep working? Do we have any idea? I mean, yeah. don't
0: know. I don't know if he's cashing out, or if yeah. he, I don't even know if he's allowed legally to cash out after all of this. He that's, may not be able to lo- sell his shares. That's the he other. He may be restricted on this. The other aspect of the story is people are locked out all of a sudden. Yeah, well, we like, shouldn't talk more oh, about yeah, this, because right, right. Steve will get mad. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Crappy topic. Move
0: on. <laughs> Stop talking about it, Mitch. Right. <laughs> Mitch, I listened to your interview with Mr. Plum on my way home, and it brought me to tears. Mm. My dad was a career army guy and spent several tours in Vietnam. He passed away in 2010 and never would talk about what he went through. I tried to talk to him, but I think the memories were just too much. It was refreshing for me to hear someone who went through the same and to be so positive and willing to talk. Thank you for always bringing non-sports guests to the pod, except for the GameStop. Deal. No. Come on. (laughs) Long time patron doug my grandfather
1: was in world war ii and, and my dad when he, he he was like a teenager he wanted to know about world war ii so he asked my grandpa like what did you see you know my grandpa he, uh, he got sweat on his upper lip went out and got a book about world war ii and handed it to my dad and that, that's their wow. only conversation they ever had about it so he too like wow. couldn't couldn't talk about what he saw i understand that i mean gotta be rough over there for those young guys and women seeing all that all that
0: it's i i'm top. really glad that we had charlie plum on. so am i you and I have you and I talked about it briefly on one twenty seven p. Yeah, you know I don't have many regrets about KJR about my twenty five years or twenty two years at KJR. Maybe the one obvious regret the way it ended. Yeah, but I go back and I I, I wish I had done more interviews like the Charlie Plum interview. Okay, I was on a sports radio station. Right. You're hamstrung. And I, well, not really because I They never really came to me and said, "Mitch, keep it to sports." Because I, as you could probably tell, I was the guy right. who who you know, wandered away from sports more than anybody, but to do 35 minutes with Charlie Plum, I probably never would have done that on KJR. Yeah. And 35 minutes would have been three
1: commercial breaks in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. This is why this is great. You couldn't do it. There's no way. Yeah.
0: If you haven't heard Charlie Plum, I think it's one of, if not the best interview, the most interesting figure, the most interesting interviewee, the most likable guy you will ever hear telling his horror stories about being shot down in Vietnam in 1967.
1: And we talked about him on the way down, breaking the antenna off his radio. And breaking th- the antenna, that, I couldn't get over that. Yeah, I mean, he just was like, he I didn't
0: want them coming to search for him. I
1: think didn't he kind of say he was a little embarrassed that he got shot down as well? Very embarrassed. There's like a pride. No, factor. what
0: was what he was embarrassed about was he gave more. They had a they had this pact that you only get when you were when you became a prisoner of war that you would only give three pieces of information no matter how much they tortured you you only get and he gave more okay and he felt really guilty about that because he was broken right. and he figured nobody else was and he felt like ashamed of himself until he realized that everybody was doing the same thing yeah that he was shot down anyway it's incredible if you haven't heard charlie plum if you're only going to listen to one interview on mitch unfiltered for the rest of your time, go back to 127. He's the first interview, interview. He's 35 minutes long. He's 77, 78 years old. Charlie Plum. What did we say? Five days or seven days before the end of his tour? Yeah. In Vietnam, he got shot down and he ended up a prisoner of war for six years. Tortured and imprisoned for six years until he finally was released.
1: On the way to your house today, my hands were cold. They were kind of bugging me, so I put on my heated steering wheel. Because I was uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, to to think about how soft we are now compared Uh, to this guy. My hands were a little chilly, Mitch. I had to heat the steering wheel up.
0: Good morning, Mitch. It's Barb. And yes, I'm still listening. Still love the banter and interviews. Wanted to let you know that if you download the lottery app on your phone, you can just scan the ticket and no longer have to enter the numbers, wishing you, the family, Scott and your followers a happy and healthy year ahead. Barb. Barb. My problem with my, my lottery tickets that I still haven't checked because I know I haven't won the grand prize. Yeah. So for all I know, I've won a few million dollars, but I haven't checked them. She says that you can download the app and scan them, I guess, on your camera, the camera part of your phone.
1: Yeah, but why ruin the fun so quickly? I mean, let the dream live a little longer by manually longer? typing in the numbers. At least I can dream for another two minutes. Oh, can
0: you manually type in? But if you've got a ticket with five sets of numbers, that takes a... Oh, it takes a little... But the dream continues at least
1: until <laughs> until somebody comes up and punches me in the face and says, find a job, dipshit.
0: Uh, dear Mitch, love the show. Hotshot is a good addition. Good, okay. His lack of sports knowledge rivals your lack of pop culture. So you guys are a good ha- ham and egg team. I thought I'd use a golf analogy, he writes.
1: I don't know what that is.
0: Ham and egg? Yeah. Someone's a
1: ham and egg or What are they? I've heard it. I don't really know what it is. It's,
0: it's a- not a person. It's, it's, a, it's a team. So if you, if you play two-man team golf, okay. if you play with a partner, and you're playing best ball, and he makes a birdie on one hole that you double bogey, and then you make a birdie where he doubles bogey. You're ham and egging it. I got you. Okay. You got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're coming through when he's down. You're picking him up. He's picking you up. Okay. It's a good partnership. That right? is a fair
1: point. You really yeah. don't know anything about His pop His lack
0: culture. of sports knowledge, which I agree with, <laughs> rivals your lack of pop culture, which I don't agree with. <laughs> so you guys are a good ham and egg team. Yeah. I think the Coach K incident must have hit a nerve with you, as you have indicated with your Beheim story as I did not think that the Coach K response to the young reporter was all that bad, Michael Reese writes. Hmm. I was expect- expecting a little more venom. You must be Mr. Sensi Poo. Oh, What did you think when you heard Coach K undress the student reporter and asking him about his tests and all that stuff?
1: I mean, we've definitely heard worse. He of didn't, course we have worse. Yeah, he didn't lie it into him. But like like Beheim did to me. Right, but I didn't think he would threaten harm, physical harm. <laughs> I didn't think what he did was necessary. I and, just, and by the way, neither did he because he
0: apologized.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right after we recorded, by the way. <laughs> so we did 20 minutes on it. Then he apologizes.
0: Dear Mitch, fantastic interview with Captain Plum on episode 127. As a history teacher, I love having my students hear firsthand accounts of history and his experiences bring the Vietnam War to life. I might use a few pieces of the interviewing class as a primary source, if you don't mind. A few How pieces of the interview. What yeah. do you mean interviewing class? He's going to use our interview in his in his oh, history class. Oh, that's nice. I think at a time of great division and political unrest, it's nice to hear these inspiring stories of our military heroes who have been part of the most diverse political, racial, religious, and all the rest fighting force in world history since integration post-World War II. By the way, Hotshot Scott is great too. Oh. John and Auburn.
1: Somebody got very upset with me by saying um, I was surprised at how lucid a 78-year-old was. Who yeah, was... somebody hit you with that. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. For some reason, that, that's a political statement. I, who knew, right? But that that's where we are now. I can't say anything. Wait, is it weird to think that a seventy eight year old could potentially lose his fastball a bit? I mean, people get older and they slow yeah. down a bit. Yeah. Not the weirdest thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's political because potentially he knows, he knows it, bad eventually, of you, hot shot, eventually he knows who I voted for in the presidential election somehow and oh you'd vote for a guy who's going to be 80 t- it's like you can't say anything anymore this guy's right we are this u- weird divide jesus
0: i thought it's pretty cool that a history teacher would it use cool. mitch Unf- would use a podcast that's listened to by about 8 people uh-huh yeah in his it's going to triple our audience <laughs> do we get cre- i want credit for all those kids every in that class every kid classroom. has to hit play yes. yeah i agree with you on that one yeah all these things are at home assignments you've got to listen I would say to John, please make sure, send out the link that each kid has to hit play and listen to the interview. In fact, I want John, you said? Yeah, I think it's John. Yeah, I want him to stand by each kid
1: in in his class to ensure that they hit play. You can't can't be trusting (laughs) these high schoolers. You know
0: that as well as anyone. In fact, I think it would be important for their parents to listen too, don't you? I also agree. (laughs) Yes. What's going on in the world of sports? Well, we've got a Super Bowl coming up. The Chiefs are three-point favorites And the over/under is fifty-six and a half. Will you bet on the Super Bowl? Will you find somewhere to bet on the Super Bowl? Wasn't it three and a half at one point? I think it opened at three and a half for a second, and then a Nevada, a Nevada, I should say, Nevada better placed a two-point-three million-dollar wager. One better on the Bucks plus three and a half, and I think it moved to three, and I think it sits at three right now with an over/under of fifty-six and a half. Thanks,
1: Mayweather. I'm sure it was him. He's always in there <laughs> betting large amounts of cash in Floyd, Las Vegas.
0: Are you going to bet? Will you find a way to bet the game, or will you have no money on the game on Sunday?
1: Well, I've I've sort of retired from sports gambling, and yeah. I found that it kind of ruins my enjoyment of the game if my if I'm losing my bet. Right. So I sort so of, you
0: enjoy the game more without a bet than you do with. See, I'm the exact opposite.
1: Yeah, I it, it ruins it for me. Not I
0: to, much more enjoy a game that I have some money on than a game that I don't, if it doesn't involve any of my favorite teams. I am much more hmm. involved. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I'm more involved. Yeah, I'm yeah. sitting there sweating it out, but yeah. I don't know what kind of message it sends that I'm spending my unemployment money on sports betting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the right message to send around the house, so I'll probably pass Well, I'm here. betting the Chiefs. <laughs> still, you liked them a week ago, so you're, you're still there, huh? You know,
0: I don't even know that I like them all that much. Okay. I can't imagine a three-point game involving Pat Mahomes – where I bet the other side. I know Tom Brady. I know it's Tom Brady. Yeah. But for me, a game that involves the Chiefs these days, that's a three-point spread. I've got two choices. I either bet the Chiefs or I don't bet the game. Yeah. I can't... I'm not going to take three points with a team. again. And that doesn't mean that they're going to cover. I don't know. Maybe they won't cover. It. Maybe they will. Maybe the $2.3 million Better knows more th- knows more than I do. I- I'm betting the Chiefs. They were 14 and five in their 19 games last year against the spread. Okay, the year they won the Super Bowl, they were 14 and five. This year, they have played 18 games. They are eight and ten hmm. against the spread. In fact, here's a little known fact: in their last eight games that they've played, including the two playoff games, they've lost seven of them against they're 1 and 7 hmm. in their last 8 against the spread which I had no idea. So they are no guarantee against the spread. In fact, the only game that I believe they won against the spread, they won by a half point in that in wow. those 8 games. Okay. And Tampa Bay is 11 and 8 in their 19 games against the spread. So the stats say at least the spread says that the Bucks have been more efficient against the spread than the Chiefs but I just can't bet against Pat Mahomes it's it's well yeah I that. just can't and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and the whole cr- I just I just can't. I know it's a, it- I just can't how about the big story of the Rams acquisition of Matthew Stafford the NFC West hotshot has a new quarterback and his name is Matt Stafford I was surprised at how many records he holds I mean, not just for the Lions, but like
1: fastest to 30,000. All I mean, he was, I guess he just sort of lives in Detroit and just sort of dies in Detroit. No Correct. one really knows
0: much about him. Correct. He's pretty damn good. He's viewed, I think, outside of Detroit as a loser. As a guy who puts up really big stats, but just as a loser. is not a winner. Not a Tom Brady. And I don't know that that's fair. Yeah. And I don't know that. I think the Rams, I know they gave up a lot to get him. I need you to explain that to me in a bit. Well, we can do that. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to understand when you look closely at it, what they did. I think they're substantially better now than they were 24 hours ago. And I think when you look at the Rams, at least from last year, I don't know who they lose in free agency this year. But when you look at the Rams, it's hard to find a lot of weaknesses outside of the quarterback position. Yeah. I mean they had a good run game for the most part even though Todd Gurley was gone they've got good wide receivers they got good tight ends they got an unbelievable all-world defense the number 1 defense in the league I think it was pretty clear that the only thing that was holding them back was their quarterback position
1: Yeah Apparently And now they
0: they put together now they put together a trade bringing in a quarterback who's accomplished he can make all the throws yeah he's not young but yeah they gave up a lot for him I don't know the Rams with Matt Stafford I think that's a really good thing for them. Is this? And really bad for the rest of the division. Is this them saying, look, we
1: got Jalen Rams, we got Aaron Donald, they're right. in their prime. We got to right. make a move. Is we that- got
0: Cooper Cup, we got yeah. Robert Woods. Right. We got a good offensive line.
1: Is that what this is? Like, yeah, this we're, we're a closing. quarterback away. Yeah.
0: So let's just sell out for the quarterback. Now you say
1: they gave up a lot. Well, I'm asking. That seems like a ton for a 32 year old.
0: Well, they didn't just give up a ton for the 32 year old. Okay they gave up a ton for the 32-year-old and the right to rid themselves of the contract of Jared Goff. Okay. A lot of people who are in, on social media are saying, if for Matt Stafford you got for two first-rounders and a third and whatever, how much are you going to get for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, my other question. Well, I don't think those people are looking at it correctly. Okay. Had the Detroit Lions traded Matt Stafford to a team that had no quarterback— They would have gotten far less than they got from the Rams. I see. Yeah. Not having to pay that Jared Goff ridiculous. They got more from the Rams because they took Jared Goff. Does that make sense? Totally.
1: Yep. So now my other question is Deshaun Watson. Does that, what does this do to his price now?
0: I don't think it does much to, a lot of people are are equating the two and wondering, as I said, I think there's more about this. The part of this about taking on salary, I think, is a big issue here that doesn't exist with Deshaun Watson. I don't think it does much to Deshaun Watson. Okay. I think Deshaun Watson, in and of itself, and I've said this before, I believe will be the biggest blockbuster trade involving one player, hmm. one significant piece in the history of the NFL. He should be. Because never has a 25-year-old Franchise face of the organization, quarterback, ever been traded with a bunch of years left on his contract? That, by the way, that contract is friendly, comparatively speaking. It's friendly. There has never been a quarterback that young and that accomplished with that many years to go in his prime. That's been traded, and I don't know that he'll be traded. Of course, the coach says. Well, he says Deshaun Watson says I want to be traded. He he now has officially stated that he hadn't up until until recently. The coach says he's the quarterback of the Houston Texans and that's all I was concerned about. He's a Houston Texan and I wanted to be a Houston Texan and the reason I'm in the position today is because I knew he's going to be a Houston Texan. The outside stuff that's being said is irrelevant to me. The new GM says we have zero interest in trading the player. We have a great plan, a great vision for him and for this team and his role on the team. We look forward to the opportunity to spend more time from, from here on in this spring with him. So the GM and the coach say, there's nothing to see here. Right. And the player has removed the Texans from all his Instagram Ooh, accounts. That's and, serious. Oh, yeah. Serious business it's now. It's one thing to say I want to be traded. <laughs> it's another thing to start taking social media
1: <laughs> down. Right. And then I read that J.J. Watt might want out. That He might have played his last game. Yeah. You think yeah. about it, in three years, they, the Texans could, have, could be losing Clowney to Watson and J.J. Watt in a two-year span. What the hell is going on down there?
0: Well, they're rebuilding. Once Deshaun Watson goes, all those guys should go. Yeah, right. Just once you once you pull the trigger if they do on a trade, then JJ Watt becomes ridiculous. You right. should definitely pedal him off to the best to the best compensation package that you can get. Once you get rid of your franchise quarterback, you've opened Pandora's box. Did you know that Stafford and Clayton Kershaw went to high school together and were like best buddies? They both now work in Los Angeles, but they're both from Texas. That's that right. right? That,
1: that was my okay. point is that now they're, they're buddies again, but they, they played baseball together. I didn't know Clayton Kershaw was his center in football. Clayton Kershaw played center. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it, 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 they won the state championship with, with Stafford throwing, by the way. But I, I saw this stat on Clayton Kershaw. This, this is the craziest thing I've ever read. So they, they both played varsity baseball together. Clayton Kershaw threw a five-inning perfect game. You're saying five innings? Well, he struck out every batter in five innings so 15 strikeouts and there was a mercy rule so they had to call the game have you ever heard of such a thing (laughs) oh yeah it happens it happened really that's pretty damn impressive in high school yeah maybe high school high school but what are the odds that at the time you have the best quarterback in the country and the best pitcher in the (laughs) country at the same freaking high school pretty amazing huh what are the odds of that
0: and now they're both professionals in southern california pretty cool yep very cool yeah actually very cool there's a lot of cool pictures so so the rams have a new quarterback which i think makes them especially next year tough yeah very tough and the niners the niners are clearly looking they're shopping i think the niners are going to make every run that they can at deshaun watson i think they're done with jimmy garoppolo really so you put you pull 100 bucks out of your wallet now you have to bet will garoppolo be the starting quarterback
1: i'd say no really okay but, I mean, Garoppolo wasn't bad. If they're going to upgrade that, that's oh, scary for Seahawks fans, right?
0: I think the one thing you had going for you as a Seahawks fan in terms of the other teams, yeah. the two things you had going for you, Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Hmm. I didn't think he was as bad. As, I don't know. Maybe he was. Yeah. You're not, you're not feeling Garoppolo? No.
5: He wasn't no.
0: horrendous. Okay. All right. I think, I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff were standing in the way hmm. of the Rams and Niners jumping past the Seahawks, for NFC West supremacy. So, and now I believe you've got to make the Rams a favorite over the Seahawks. Yeah. You might not love Matt Stafford, but I think you've got to like him enough, the upgrade enough with the rest that's going on there in terms of their defense and so forth. I think the Rams are clearly now a favorite over the Seahawks. And I think the day that the 49ers get rid of Garoppolo and bring somebody else better, whether it's Deshaun Watson or whoever oh, it is, don't say that. I think they will be... Ahead of the Seahawks. the Seahawks will be fighting for the card with the Cardinals for the third best team in the in the NFC. That's my opinion. I don't
1: think you're wrong. If half the teams in the NFC West upgrade their quarterback and the Seahawks aren't one of them, well, that's gonna. Oh, I, you know, t- I know, I <laughs> know. But it, that's. Do you want to upgrade your quarterback? That's gonna sting. That's really gonna sting. If two of the four upgrade their quarterbacks, that's gonna be tough. And then you know Murray's just gonna get better and better. And yeah. It's going to be interesting. Seahawks are going to have to make some moves to keep up I here. I don't know
0: what the Seahawks are going to do. Yeah. Anyway, some other stuff happening in the world of sports, and I've got some stuff for the uh, the second half, the, the other stuff segment. Ken Griffey Jr. has a new gig. Special advisor to Commissioner Rob Manfred. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. has been tasked with making baseball cool again, Hotshot Scott, for kids. Well, he did it once. He did it once in his career. Here's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Unless he's trying to convince 35- and 40-year-olds to so cockers to play baseball. <laughs> yeah. Do kids even know or remember Ken Griffey Jr. anymore? I don't think so. When no. was Ken Griffey Jr. last great Nineteen, ninety-eight. Ninety
1: eight, yeah, ninety-nine. Seven,
0: ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine.
1: Yeah. Griffey for mayor was like ninety-seven. Remember that whole campaign? and
0: Okay, there's not a kid, there's not a twelve, yeah. thirteen, fourteen-year-old who even saw Ken Griffey Jr. play. Yeah. Let alone know of his greatness. I told you that
1: when I watched that, did you ever watch that, that MLB special on him that came no, out? No. You I never got to get, it? No, it, it did feel like he was trying to convince us all he's the Michael Jordan of baseball. You know, it, it, if something hit me, I could just tell he kept, it just felt that way, that he kept trying to... But I, I don't think he is, to your point. I, I don't think he can do what, what Michael Jordan's been able to do. He just, yeah, he just, he just, he's, just not, he's just not Michael Jordan. He can't do it.
0: I mean, Jordan's everywhere. I don't have that big a problem remembering Ken Griffey Jr. as the Michael Jordan. Saying that Ken Griffey Jr. in his prime was the Michael Jordan of baseball, actually, I kind of like well, you're, and agree with. But you're looking I just at don't talent know. Wise. I don't know. I think what you're saying, and I'm agreeing with, is that Michael Jordan has transcended time. That no matter how much time has gone, even if kids have never seen Michael Jordan, don't remember Michael Jordan playing, yeah. they know of the Michael Jordan brand.
1: I mean, d- does Brett have anything with the little Jumpman logo on it? Any shorts or Oh, sh- yeah.
0: Tons of stuff. Right. He's 14, yeah. 15, 16. So he knows Jordan and he's very familiar right. with Jordan. But I don't know that... Griffey hasn't done it. Swingman never caught on or whatever no. it's called, did it? No. Yeah. Jordan's been
1: able to transcend, like you said, and Griffey just... As great as he was, he's just it hasn't been able be to It might be
0: because... When Ken Griffey Jr. stopped playing, he kind of wanted to disappear. He's kind of the type, the personality mm. of, I want to disappear for a while. Yeah. I'm done with the limelight. I'm done with the interviews. I'm done with baseball for a while. I just want to be a normal guy. I just want to live in some sort of anonymity. Uh-huh. Whereas Michael Jordan, because of the Nike, and because of his ownership of the team, and because of his comeback, right. and because of his, I mean, he, he's never left the limelight. Yeah, that's he's true. never wanted to leave the limelight. He's never left the limelight. Whereas Ken Griffey Jr. was this kind of withdrawn guy who was kind of—you almost felt like he was kind of forced into it. Yeah, it was always forced upon him, and that when he was done, he was ready to disappear for a while. Hated the media. Yeah, so I think there's a lot yeah, of that okay. too. We, I don't know. People, don't, Mariner fans. I'm making that up, but
1: Mar- <laughs> Mariner fans—they—they Mar- they go so hard at a Rod for leaving. But you don't hear a lot about the way Griffey— Griffey forced his way out of Seattle.
0: You, don't have to, you remember oh, that?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you were yeah. doing it. <laughs> no, but,
0: but, I don't remember well, that. Well, it doesn't
1: seem like a lot of Mariner fans do because they, they look at Griffey well, like he's that's the bec- second coming.
0: That's because I think Ken Griffey Jr. did a lot more here than Alex Rodriguez did. For I mean just stats-wise or for the city? Everything-wise. okay. I mean, I think he was the chosen one here. I mean, he, w- he was baseball in Seattle. I mean, he grew up in under our own eyes. So I think they were willing to pardon him a lot more than they were willing to pardon Arod. Arod. And then the other thing is is that, remember, A-Rod, as you and I would have also, yep. left for the money. That's right. That's Ju- part Ju- of it, though. Junior never left for the money. Junior always left because it was t- he wanted to go home to Cincinnati or he's tired of playing at Seattle. Yeah. I think there's a difference between leaving for the contract and just leaving because you think your time has come in that particular city, which is what the way I got, got it. I, I think that Ken Griffey Jr. will always get a break for that. He, did, he
1: didn't away. just say, my contract's up, I'm leaving. He forced his way out. Oh,
0: there's no question he forces. his way out.
1: Right. So, to me, it's a little different than just but saying, I'm going to try did, something different.
0: But what he did for the organization and what he accomplished as a young man and as he grew up, I think, was way, was 20, 20-fold more than what Alex did. Now, Alex had three or four incredible years here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he, he didn't have a griffy presence in Seattle. Yeah. Never. Never.
1: But A Rod left for that contract that you said any one of us would have left for. Every one Everyone be Everyone
0: begrudges him for leaving. Every one of us was, would have left.
1: It was like an, an extra 70
0: million or like. No, it was like 150 million. Oh, it wasn't? Was oh, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that the Mariners were like, were under 100 million. Oh, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I, I, think in, I think the deal that he signed was 252. That sounds right, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And everyone begrudges there him. There is not one person <laughs> who called and hated on Alex Rodriguez that wouldn't have done it. the exact same thing as Alex. Rodriguez. Exactly, right. and I like down. Exact same thing as Alex Rodriguez. By the way, but I'm it look, was still fun to hate him.
1: I'm looking at my shorts, and I got a little Jumpman logo. I'm wearing Jordan Jordan. Sure he, he hasn't played in 25 years, and yet he's everywhere still. Jordan, it's crazy.
0: All right, let's do the three interviews and come back. I got a good flurry of stuff for the other stuff segment too. With you, have you heard? Nick Saban, have you seen the Nick Saban video that got out that leaked? I don't think so. Yeah. You're more of the Pamela Anderson oh video that leaks all day long. Yeah. This is not so. that kind of Nick Saban video. That type of video didn't leak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what did leak? I don't know if you've seen this and I'll play the audio. He was doing a Zoom in 2020, 2021 with a recruit. All right. He was doing his recruiting, and he didn't want to fly to the recruit. I guess maybe he had COVID or it just oh. wasn't it. You weren't able to go to, to recruits. He's had it twice, so yeah, maybe had he twice. stay home. What leaked was a Zoom that he was doing with the family of a recruit. Did we have it? I have it. I can't wait to hear. I, it's great. Okay. Just listening to him. Let me tell you something. You're going to listen to this in the other stuff segment, and you're going to be like, where do I sign? I'm ready to play for Alabama right now. Okay. Yeah, then now it sort of makes sense why you're going to listen to the audio of him selling Alabama to this recruit during COVID. (laughs) And you're going to say to yourself, why would anybody go anywhere other than Alabama after listening to this guy make his pitch? Saban makes his pitch. It's beautiful. I can't wait. It's beautiful. I love it. I'll do that in the other stuff segment. We'll do the three interviews and then that. Next up on Mitch Unfiltered, John Waterstrat, owner, Fireside Home Solutions. John, 2021 is going to be a better year for all of us. You and I rarely talk about your outdoor units and your fire pits, and I'm loving what I'm seeing on your website at firesidehomesolutions.com. Talk about that arm of your business. Yeah,
5: great question. Our manufacturers that create the indoor fireplace create outdoor fireplaces. So we have everything from an outdoor fireplace that's fully made to be outside, stainless steel and also fire pits. We can take that great gathering space that we have inside and create one outside. So again, on those cool spring and summer nights that you want to continue to spend some time with your friends, we can turn those fireplaces and keep everybody warm.
0: What's the latest on scheduling, delivery, installation timeframes on your end as we enter the new year, John?
5: Great question, Mitch. Uh, We've been very blessed with great manufacturers. They've held steady to their uh, schedule. We're still able to install units between three to four weeks, so not too late to buy. We still have this cold January snap that we're going through in February just had a windstorm just the other day so when those power outages come you can throw that insert on and keep yourself warm in your home
0: and by the way while fireplaces pay the mortgage at John Waterstrat's place That's not the only thing you guys do at Fireside Home Solutions and do very well.
5: Yep, uh, we not only do fireplaces, but we do do garage doors. Garage doors has been a great business, something we've got into five to six years ago. Again, it's a very complimentary business. And when we design indoor spaces, now we can take the outdoor of your house. A garage door makes up about 30 to 40% of your home. On the front view, we can change that up for you, give you a traditional look, modern look. We can install it design it and then same thing as our fireplaces we can service it for life so it's been a great business and we just were able to do my uh, golf club at Linden and put all nice. those doors in there
0: nice what would Mitch Unfiltered be without great partners like Fireside Home Solutions and John Waterstrat start your search for a fireplace or garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com
4: Unfiltered One ball and no strike. Aaron waiting, the outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to
6: the fans. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball.
0: What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered has lived a very interesting life. What stories he has to tell. A solid bullpen pitcher in the 1970s, including, by the way, a last stint with our Seattle Mariners. Henry Aaron's teammate, who forever will be known as the man who caught number 715 on April 8th, 1974 in the bullpen. His post-playing days even more intriguing. He's been called the father of modern day pitching mechanics, and now he's a big part of Team Mustard, which we'll talk about. In fact, he's gone on to work with countless NFL quarterbacks as well, including one that's playing a fairly big game coming up. Here's Tom House. How are you, Tom?
6: Real good, Mitch. Boy, you've done your homework. <laughs>
0: You're not now wait a second. You were you were born, Tom, and raised here in Seattle until the move to California at thirteen. How are those memories for you?
6: Pretty good actually. I, I have even even playing with the Mariners when we lost a hundred plus games, <laughs> I, I still have great memories about Seattle. So it's all good.
0: Was it an easy move at thirteen?
6: Um well you know what it's like being thirteen. Nothing's easy. Yeah. And as a thirteen year old, you know, no teenage boy has a frontal cortex, so I think <laughs> I think it was a little tougher on my parents than it was on me. But it turned out to be a very positive move because the baseball was much better down here.
0: I, I love the story that you've told. Your parents were not baseball people. What did they say to you when you came home to tell them that, the, that you had thrown a no-hitter? What was the reaction by mom and dad?
6: <laughs> <laughs> so you heard this. My mom, well, my dad said, first, that's great. What, what's a no-hitter? <laughs> and my mom said, okay, that's good. Did you get an A in English? Uh, so, again, they, they were supportive but not really understanding of what you and I love, which is the sports, the sports world. Yeah. Teammate of
0: Hank Aaron's for, like, three years, right, Tom?
6: Actually, more than that. I, I had five and a half years in the big leagues with Atlanta yeah, and, and three years in the minor leagues. Okay. So, obviously, eight years total if you mix in spring trainings. But there, there were some pretty special years as I look back. Yeah.
0: When you look back and you compare how you feel about being his teammate now to what it felt like then, Tom what are the differences
6: well uh you kind of mentioned it when we at the at the start of our piece here i was not a real good i mean i was a big leaguer but a fringe big leaguer getting to the big leagues and just hanging out around henry aaron was pretty special so i i appreciated him even when i was playing with him and then i got to know a few more things about him than most other guys in the team because dusty baker and ralph gar were under his mentorship, and I went through the minor leagues with Dusty, Dusty and Ralph. They were like my best buddies, so I got—I was privy to a few things that other guys on the team weren't. But but overall, it was just a pleasure to be a quiet quiet competence is is what I remember the most about him. So
0: you were Hank Aaron's teammate. Did all of his teammates, Tom, know what was going on? outside the lines with the threats and the horrible treatment on the way to Babe Ruth's record? Or were you sheltered from that?
6: We were sheltered from it, Mitch. And the But we knew some things were up. All of a sudden, uh, Henry has a bodyguard, Calvin. doesn't take much to put two and two together that for somebody to get a bodyguard, there had to be something going on. But we did not realize the depth or intensity mm-hmm. of what he was dealing with off the field.
0: So for the millionth time, I want you to walk us through the moment. I hope it's okay. April 8th, 1974, that Monday night, I was watching in our home in South Florida. Hank drills the Al Downing pitch to left. Bill Buckner goes back, climbs the fence, and and, and there you are. And by the way, this story actually starts before April 8th because Hank had trouble hitting change-ups from left-handed pitchers which you were so you helped him with that
6: correct well boy am i impressed with your homework the (laughs) henry if he was having trouble hitting a certain pitch or hitting off a a, you know a certain type of style of pitcher there was always extra batting practice so about probably seven maybe eight times i got to to do one-on-one batting practice with henry in West Palm and spring training and even during the season. So I knew for a fact, just after having thrown, you know, a thousand pitches to him, that fastballs away and change ups away from a left handed pitcher when he went when he went deep, when he went long ball, they usually went to left center, not right down the line, like most of his home runs did. So obviously we had our territories, I'm sure you know. We, uh-huh. Every one of us bullpen guys had our little 10 yard territory uh-huh. that we agreed to, we, we would respect if the ball was hit in that territory. And people talk about this great catch and whatever. If I would have stood still, it would have hit me right in the forehead. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, the, the idea was okay, it, I think it was a 2 1 or a 2 0 count. Yeah. And I'm thinking, donnie has got to get a strike. He's got to go away. So this, it might be hit to me. And there, whack! Here it comes. I remember saying, "Oh my gosh, it's it's actually coming at me." And then I caught the ball, and I saw Buckner climbing the fence and screaming, "Let me have it! Let me have it!" And then this big, this big fish net. You have to watch really close. But this big fish net from somebody from Georgia Tech above me uh, on the top of the wall uh-huh. went right next to my right ear, and then I'm running toward the fence, and that's the last thing I remember until I got to home plate. I literally do not remember anything wow. from, from the fence until I got to home plate. To
0: present the ball, home run number 715 to Hank Aaron. Why did Buckner want the ball,
6: Tom? I don't know, I, I, a, I think all right. Everybody, everybody on the field wanted the ball, and I think even though we knew it was worth 25 grand, I, I don't think anybody, either team, Dodgers or Braves, would have done anything different than I did. So it was a special moment, um, something I, I'll cherish, and I remember it like it happened yesterday. Oh
0: besides the lifelong connection which is more valuable than anything else did you get anything for the ball
6: yeah and it goes to tell you about <laughs> baseball fans it kind of got out that you know i kind of forfeited or gave up 25 grand and i started getting fan mail and in each letter i'd get like a dollar or a 5 dollar one one time i actually got a 20 dollar bill and i kept track of it I ended up getting from the fans around the country, uh, I think, six hundred and twelve bucks. <laughs> no, th- think about it. And you know, minimum salary. I think I said it earlier. Minimum salary was like twelve grand. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's like getting a you know a monthly paycheck. And and the uh, I, Magnavox was actually sponsoring sure. Henry. Sure. And we got an entertainment center, which is a fancy word for a stereo TV combination. (laughs) And I I actually still have it buried somewhere as a a memorabilia type thing. So, you know, right man in the right place. Very lucky to be there and just absolutely thrilled that someone like yourself is asking me about it because it was special. So
0: sad to lose, Mr. Aaron. What a... Incredibly modest and graceful and fabulous man he was. Everyone says Tom, you were ahead of your time. Explain how you looked at the throwing motion mechanically back in the 70s and 80s, and some of the bad looks that you must have received from people.
6: Right, the you know there's old school and what I'm calling new school now, and old school literally um, was this is the way Babe Ruth did it or this is the way. You know whoever did it so you're going to be taught the same way it didn't take in any uh, indication for style or characteristics characteristics of different pitchers. so as i wound down my playing career uh, i'm sure you're aware i continued to go to school mm-hmm. and through the academic side of the equation i became aware that there was technology going on called motion analysis and The questions that I was asking to the real baseball world weren't really getting answered the way I felt I could teach or help. So I got a second mortgage on my house, bought a motion analysis system, actually an aerial system, and started capturing data. The idea was that if I was going to be a pitching coach, I wanted to make sure that what I was showing kids or my contemporaries was science-based, not just opinion. So that's what got me started. Wow!
0: And when you connected with Nolan Ryan during the midst of his career, one of the first things you did was put a football in his hand.
6: Yeah, we were a little, uh, you know, odd in our approach. I'd like to take credit for the football, but it was not my idea. It was actually the idea of the head trainer when I was with the Padres, the head trainer, Dick Dent actually threw the football with the pitchers and what they're what they call the touchdown Tommies. Instead of running and catching a baseball, he would actually throw the football to him while I was making him run. And I, I kind of, you know, watched, in every one of the pitchers that were any good through a great spiral, mm-hmm. and it seemed to help their arm strength and their arm recovery. So I took the idea with me wherever I went as a pitching coach. And by the time Nolan showed up, we'd actually proven why it was for conditioning and why it helped mechanics. Mm. And uh, I got initially when I brought it up, I got the raised eyebrow and uh, well, I'll give it a try and see what happens. And it turned out it really worked well for him. He, He
0: famously, by the way, Nolan Ryan did mention Tom House in his Hall of Fame speech you would say to any parents of young kids, young boys, young girls who throw and pitch, put a football in their head, throw a football, right? High school kids,
6: yes. Exactly, don't specialize, you know, throw something, throw a softball, throw a football, you know, do, do anything, swing a tennis racket, anything that simulates a throwing motion, mm-hmm. just, and don't specialize till you get out of high school. Mm-hmm. And what that'll do, is call, it's called cross-specificity training it will actually wake up more nerves and muscles and you'll have more in the tank as you project your career outward.
0: Tom, I think our audience in particular would love the story of you and Nolan Ryan watching a 28-year-old left-hander here in Seattle. His name, I think his name was Randy something or other. (laughs) He said, you asked him, how you doing, Randy Johnson, as he threw a bullpen stint. He said something like, Tom, I'm doing horse shit. If I can't start throwing <laughs> strikes, they're going to send me out. And then something happened from there to the Hall of Fame for Randy Johnson.
6: Were you following me around? <laughs> that, you, know, you, you, might, you may as well have been there. Yeah, if you remember the, the old Kingdome, the bullpens for the Mariners was down the right field line, and we had the first base dugout as the, the visiting team. So Nolan and I always went early to the ballpark, got all our work done before anybody showed up. Well, as it would turn out, this, this, fir- this first day we're in town, Nolan and I were just finishing our workout up when Randy came out for some extra work with uh, Dan. I'm drawing a blank on his last name. Anyway, the, their pitching coach. And Randy was having trouble. He, you know, literally about every sixth pitch, would go whippling by our dugout at 110 miles an hour. And I remember Nolan and I peeked around the corner and and Nolan said, he looks like he's having a little trouble finding. I think what Nolan's exact words were the, the plate must be moving around down there like it does during the, the game. So as Randy, we're still sitting in the dugout when Randy walks by. And I know Randy, he was a USC Trojan and sure. I said, Sure. Randy, you're doing okay, big guy? And he said, nah, Tom. He actually said, I'm doing horse shit. And I'd better start <laughs> there. So Nolan actually said, well, hey, Randy, well, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, but Tom and I are going to be out here working early. Why don't you stop by? We'll chat a bit. Well, as it turns out, he came and, and we all kind of went through our thought processes. And we made one small change in the way Randy landed with his into his right foot with his stride and instead of landing on his heel we just firmed up by having him land on the ball of his foot wow and what that did it stopped him from spinning out and he went from not being able to throw strikes four or five weeks later he struck out 18 of us in arlington stadium (laughs) it it probably got me fired in the texas (laughs) no no i'm serious um so the bottom line is we've been i have been we have been trying to put good information out there to anybody that would listen a lot of times they didn't but we've been pretty good with what we've done and it shows up when athletes take advantage of it it shows up pretty well
0: you know i i hear you talk tom about just that small change to randy and the difference it makes it's such a fine line isn't it gosh I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, you know, I, I, I love to play golf and I study the golf swing. It's such a small, small thing that could change everything. Look what it did for Randy Johnson, learning how to land on that particular foot. Unbelievable.
6: Yep. And, you know, you, early on, your eyes, if you're just looking at it, like when I first got to the big leagues, old school was running the show and the human eye can see about 35, 40 frames per second. Mm-hmm pitching golfing the swing and the throw actually take place at a minimum of 1 250th of a second so what motion analysis did was allow us to actually watch uh, what was going on in a delivery with something that could could measure it rather than just trusting our eyes
0: before we talk and finish with team mustard i want to ask you about mustard and how it could help even uh, people that are listening to this show right now. I, I want to I wanna ask you, Tom, about your admission that you tinkered with steroids in the 70s and that there were lots of guys on every team that were tinkering with it, pitchers in particular. What did it do for you or not do for you? And how do you feel about, you know, Rod, let's use Roger Clemens as an example. My goodness. Was there a better right-handed pitcher over 15 or 20 years in Major League Baseball than, than Roger Clemens, and yet he sits waiting for his call to the Hall of Fame because of his use? What do you say to all of that?
6: Well, it, it, it was part of an era, and you just said it. There were pitchers and hitters doing it. Every era had its good points and its bad points. When I started fiddling with it, I was looking for any way to get better and hang in the game. You know, even so far, if someone would have said, well, if you smoke dirty gym socks, you'll throw harder. I I would have tried throwing, you know, throwing harder by smoking dirty gym socks. So everybody took a shot at it. And it's not knowing what I know now, after all these years, under a doctor's supervision, steroids could actually be good. It's about recovery. Mm -hmm. It was the abuse of the steroids that caused issues. And I know that there's sports writers and fans out there that will never forgive anybody that used steroids or admitted to using them. But again, it was not illegal at that time. People tried everything. They tried a lot of stuff. Every generation did. It didn't necessarily make you more skilled. It allowed you to recover quicker and therefore you didn't go through the muscle fatigue and the ins and outs of a long season, you get stronger by being able to lift off season workloads in season. And that's what allowed the jump in velocities and or the jump in long balls. So long story short, we will always be judged by what we did, whether it was legal or illegal. But the the playing field was fairly level. And if you match up athletes, In the eras that they played, the numbers all still hold up.
0: Tell me about Mustard and how it could help the kids of our listeners or the listeners themselves that are paying attention to you, Tom.
6: Okay, Mitch, thanks so much for the setup here. We've been looking for a way to democratize what our elite athletes get, the information and instruction, and get it out there to the 100 million kids that are playing sports. Right now, statistics say that 80% of young um, boys and girls will stop playing sports by the age of 14. If we could just get them to play through high school, Mm -hmm. then the net result of being a fan, being healthier, understanding adversity, learning to deal with failure, all the great things that sports teach us and the power of play. It would really help. So, what Mustard is, what Team Mustard is put together, is through a cell phone. It's like you have you could carry me around, in on your cell phone, and get the same efficacy of teach that you would if you were in front of me one, one on one. So, it's turning out to be better than my wildest dream. the The guys that are and the guys and gals that are in uh, Team Mustard are putting out a product that is, I, I think it's really gonna make a difference. Not just with the young athletes, but athletes in general, because coaches can use it, parents can use it. Like if you have kids, you go in your backyard and just capture some, some you know, movies with your cell phone, send it in. Throwing, just throw, throwing, just throwing? Thro- throwing, pitching, okay. eventually swinging, okay. all, all the above. Okay and within 30 seconds to a minute have the same information and instruction wow. Wow. That, our, that our elite guys. So yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting.
0: F- fantastic. That is fantastic. All right, last question. It takes a very short answer. Who hit the longest home run off of Tom House in his big league career?
6: There were a lot of home runs. I kept a, <laughs> I kept a lot of guys in the big leagues, but uh, I think Greg Lazinski hit the oh longest one. Oh my
0: God, the bull. The, was he the wi- bull. Tell me he wasn't wearing glasses and wearing shorts in Chicago at the time.
6: <laughs> no, it was actually when he was a young buck in Philly. Uh-huh. I, I threw him a slider that didn't. <laughs> and do, you, do, you, do you remember Old Veterans Stadium where the victory sure. bell was in? in of, of course. The, the victory bell was 580 feet from home plate and about three tiers up. Uh-oh. And he, he hit it off the facade. <laughs> Right, so literally, Roland Office was our center fielder. Sure. he didn't even he didn't even he didn't even watch it. <laughs> he he just kept looking toward home plate. I, so yeah, he hit the farthest one. Uh, it's
0: terrific to catch up with you, Tom. As I said, uh, as a young boy who didn't have a baseball team in Florida growing up, the Braves were my team. They trained in Municipal Stadium. I listened to the guys, uh, and it was a little bit maybe after your day. But, uh, yeah, I watched, I listened. I, I sat down in my, my brother's room with his Panasonic radio way before WTBS, and I listened to the Braves lose 100 games. While the Mariners were losing 100 games in the American League, you guys were losing 100 games in the National League when I was listening. So. It,
6: it tells you about what kind of pitcher I was and the staffs that I pitched on. But, Mitch, I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for bringing back the memories. Uh, I had, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, look who's back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. It's Jordan Flowers at the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage. Happy New Year, Jordan. Thanks for being back with us. Give us a quick market overview of your world in the mortgage business these days.
3: Happy New Year, Mitch. Thank you. The market is incredibly hot. 2021, interest rates are still low, and people are taking advantage of interest rates in the two still. They're also getting pre-approved with us to win offers on buying a house with how hot the purchase market is as well.
0: So if you're considering selling a house these days, this is a, a great time to do it.
3: It's a fantastic time to be looking at selling your house if you are considering selling this is the optimal time to be doing it you can reach out to our team if you don't have a trusted real estate professional we work with a lot of top one percent brokers in the area if you have a trusted real estate professional i'd advise you reaching out to them if you are thinking about selling your house because the inventory is so low we're seeing multiple offers upwards of 20 to 30 bids per home and prices escalating 100 200,000 over list right now in a lot of areas.
0: For those of us that are thinking about refinancing and calling you and getting the numbers, how does how does inflation play a part of all this?
3: Yeah, we saw a scare here the last week with rates starting to tick up with some concern about inflation, which is bad for long-term debt so your bond market. We've had a kind of stabilizing and rebound a little bit. Rates are still in the high twos. But if you were thinking about giving us a call and just seeing if any numbers work, now would be the time to do it.
0: Five or eight minutes on a phone call with either Jordan or a member of his team. We'll uh, let you know what the numbers are and whether it makes sense for you and your family. And the best phone number to reach you guys?
3: Office line still 425-250-3145. And the cell phone's 425 890 2957.
0: We love Jordan Flowers. We love the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Unfiltered.
7: I just think we're going to be in for a showcase, you know, 54-49 type of game.
0: Play action. Jones steps
7: up right down the middle of the field.
4: It's
0: touchdown. Cut- a truly special performance by the Heisman trophy winner having you know
5: played at UCLA, coached at UCLA, coached uh, Washington, co- coached at Colorado obviously before Colorado was in the Pac-12. I do think that the higher whether it's a traditional administrator or a commissioner or somebody like Rick who is you know completely kind of outside that realm, they need to be tied into the sport of football.
0: Episode 128 continues. We haven't had a chance to check in with Rick Neuheisel since the national championship was won by Alabama again and the Pac-12 commissioner's office became vacant or will become vacant. How are you, Rick Neuheisel? I am well, Mitch. And
7: as we celebrate (laughs) episode 128, we're mindful that Alabama could have scored 128 (laughs) if they chose to.
0: Well, first things are first. Congratulations are in order to the entire Neuheisel family on the new wide receiver coach at UCLA, a kid named Jerry Neuheisel. The old man's got to be proud. Next stop, offensive coordinator, and then head coach, right?
7: (laughs) From your lips to God's ears. uh, You know, we're very excited for Jerry. It's something he really uh, wanted badly and he loves the fact that he's able to be at his alma mater UCLA. I mean, he was born there, Mitch. This you talk about a guy who died in the wool. This is him. So, very thrilled for him and obviously he's giddy about the opportunity.
0: By the way, I saw a picture and I see no family resemblance at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: Well, you, you should hear him. He could be doing this interview and you wouldn't know that it was uh, him. I mean, yeah, I don't have to worry about the postman, at least in this particular situation.
0: I spoke with Spencer Hawes on the last show, and Spencer Hawes was talking about playing at the end of his career for Kobe Carl. And he said that Kobe Carl's old man, George Carl, would come to practice and he was not gun shy about getting his views in. Is, is the old man going to dabble in Jerry Neuheisel's wide receiver business or is, is the old man going to be as far away as possible? I learned early on my weaknesses. <laughs> and my, one of my weaknesses was that it
7: was very difficult to muzzle myself when watching my children. Uh-huh. So I learned and I wish all parents could learn the same trick. <laughs> just go away and get as far from one any other fan, parent, anybody else, so that you anything you say is just lost in the atmosphere and just stays between you and that atmosphere. Doesn't have to go anywhere <laughs> else. So I've learned that lesson uh, as a as a guy who's talked to lots of quarterback parents in my life. I, I understood the importance of it. So no worries about that.
0: Does Jerry call Dad? on occasion to get dad's viewpoint on something absolutely uh
7: absolutely we talk and and i'll give him uh my thoughts but uh normally i'm more of a listener than an instruction guy
0: okay okay well i promise you that i didn't invite you on to remind you that you had ohio state and the overall meatloaf over here try to convince you to do alabama and the over i'm not that's not why i invited you on the show i just want you to know that
7: (laughs) two out of three ain't bad yeah exactly uh the over in the first half was where i really really wanted people to invest but at the end of the day listen um alabama was just the best team in the country I mean, it was evident from the start through the finish and You got to give credit where credit's due. I thought Ohio State, when Trey Sermon went out on the opening play of the game, Mm -hmm. that was damning to the Ohio State cause because he was going to be a reason that was going to complicate Pete Golding's defensive plan. He was going to force them to be in the box and give Justin Fields uh, more throws down the field. Unfortunately, that went away with the broken clavicle there in play one.
0: Were we already at the point of calling Nick Saban the greatest college coach of all time? I guess that's seven national championships if he's not who is well he's the greatest of all times without question I really?
7: don't think it's even close really? uh, I know there are a number of guys who you know did some wonderful things and from uh, Woody Hayes at Ohio State to Bo Schembechler at Michigan to Joe Paterno at Penn State to, to Bear Bryan at Alabama to Vince Dooley at Georgia I mean the list goes on and on there's plenty of, of people that are going to be in the conversation more recently, Urban Meyer would be in the conversation. But when you start to factor in the complicated world of college football as it sits today, the high-money industry that it sits today, the competitive nature uh, of it as it sits today, and know that he has seven titles, six at Alabama, one at LSU, and that is more than the rest of the field combined, it's, it's not close.
0: You mentioned Urban Meyer. Is he going to succeed In the NFL in Jacksonville, I suppose, with Trevor Lawrence?
7: It's a great place to start. Uh, And obviously, he knew that. When he got intrigued about that job and realizing they were going to have access to this Bunderkind and Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback from Clemson, I believe he's going to be successful. There's no reason not to think so. He's been successful everywhere he's been. It'll be different, but I think he's the kind of guy that will study and ask his former players as to how he needs to adapt his style to the NFL. And with that being said, I believe he's going to be wildly successful. I I see them in the playoffs within two years.
0: Rick Neuheisel is with us on episode 128. The struggling Pac-12, Rick, made the decision to pivot away from Larry Scott. Rick Neuheisel's name has been tossed around In a few different circles, (laughs) Nick Aliotti, I think was the first to uh, to throw that name into the mix. I know about TV contracts and such. How much, if any, culpability does Scott have for the downward turn in the Pac-12 football and basketball? I mean, the conference has become the clear weak link in the big five in both in both revenue producing sports. So how much is Larry Scott on the hook for that?
7: You know, I think he just – and I'm a fan of Larry Scott. I want to preface my comments by saying I think he's a really good guy. I think he's very bright. When he made the deal with both Fox and ESPN, what was on the table prior to that was a deal with Comcast, which is, of course, NBC. He He underestimated the value of being promoted by a network. Uh, as we you know watch the commercials during games and so forth, it's why they spend so much money on football, knowing that they're getting eyeballs, but they also are able to promote everything else that they show on their network. He gave that up to do a deal with both Fox and ESPN and created more more revenue, the richest deal, I think, at its time. The problem is neither one of those networks was on the hook to promote them because they were kind of secondary packages for them. And, and because of that, the time zones got shifted about and there was no time to really know you were going to get to tune into Pac-12 football. The FS1 took some of the games. ESPN2 took some of the games. And because of that, it in the minds of the viewer became a secondary brand. Christian McCaffrey should have won the Heisman Trophy that spectacular year. He enjoyed at Stanford. But, it became the Alabama running back's trophy because he was on um, primetime. McCaffrey was toiling away when most of the East Coast was asleep. So it, it just it just fell, even though it was lucrative, it fell flat because it wasn't getting the promotion. And the next deal that's done has to keep uh, an eye on that because the Pac-12 needs regularity. Its top brands need some favorite. Uh, time slots so that USC and and others like them could get back to the top of the heap. So more eyes are affixed towards the West.
0: Is Rick Neuheisel qualify for such a job or does it really need to be someone who has sat in a in an AD's chair?
7: I don't, it, this is not answering the question about me. I don't think I'm a candidate. I really don't. But I do. I do not think that it has to be somebody that is somebody that has sat in those chairs and is relegated to the world of television? Certainly important, but what you you can get others to come and help you with those kind of negotiations, as a lot of these commissioners do. Uh, they get collaborators to you know determine the value of what you're uh, having to offer and so forth. And I think obviously, given where the Pac-12 sits today, it's not going to be the groundbreaking deal. But as long as it's incentivized. So that when it does come to pass that the PAC-12 is back on high ground, they're getting compensated for it. The television piece is one piece. The other piece is getting the information from the coaches and the athletic directors around the league as to how to help their particular brands. Because right now, perception-wise, we're behind the rest of the world of college athletics, and that has to change. And how can we help coaches? How can we get games that attract the big brands to the West? How can we do all those kind of things? I don't think those are relegated to people who have sat in athletic director chairs.
0: You say that Rick Neuheisel is Not a candidate. Is that because the Pac-12 isn't interested in Rick Neuheisel, or Rick Neuheisel wouldn't be interested in leaving CBS for the Pac-12 commissioner's job?
7: I think it's the former. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just don't. I don't think they're. I'm high on their list. If they asked me, would I be interested? Absolutely. Even if, even if, with a chance to go and sit and give ideas as to what I think could be helpful going forward, as this brand is compared to the others i, I think uh I, there are a lot of guys like myself who are former players former coaches in this league that have a great reverence towards it and would like to help and i think all those ideas need to be cold to create a plan going forward
0: so who do i need to call <laughs> i don't know <laughs> who do you need to call
7: i guess there's a search firm uh within the uh, university presidents that okay. include the president from uh Oregon, Washington, and Washington State is, uh, I think I'm right on that number. Okay. But, but the presidents are going to make this call. They're obviously going to hire a search firm. At the end of the day, they just need somebody who's passionate about this piece. I tell you two guys that I, I really believe. Okay. And by the way, the woman who's the current commissioner of the WCC, which has been a basketball brand that has outperformed the Pac-12, if you can believe that, because of Gonzaga mm-hmm. and uh, St. Mary's and other brands like it. They've outperformed the Pac-12. Gloria, I think, is Navarez is is a name to remember. And then I think Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama, who was formerly the athletic director at uh, Arizona, so he knows the footprint. His dad was the AD at Oregon, Bill Byrne, also at Nebraska and Texas A&M. I think Greg Byrne would have a great idea sitting there in a catbird seat watching what happens at Alabama. And then Gene Smith, the same catbird seat that he has – At Ohio State, two monster brands that are having success in a number of sports and doing it at the highest level. Those two guys, Gene Smith was the former AD at Arizona State. Both those guys could come back here and remember what this conference once was and I think be really, really helpful in getting it back to that level.
0: The contracts are as the contracts are in terms of the TV. So what would whichever one of those candidates or Rick Neuheiser, what would be – what would be number one on the list in terms of what you could accomplish your first week, your first month, your first few months on that job?
7: Number one, you go to all the coaches, and you sit down with them in you know, half-hour meetings, hopefully even longer, and you say, what do you need? What, what, when you're out there in recruiting, because this ultimately is about recruiting, what are they saying? What can we help you uh, defend? Uh, how do we create a better competitive advantage for you in recruiting. That's number one. Number two, you then figure out how do I get a deal with a network? Whether it's NBC, whether it's Fox, whether it's CBS, uh, ABC, I need a network deal that is going to promote my brand and a consistent time slot weekly that we're gonna get that game of the week. You know, CBS just lost the SEC. We've got it for the next four years, but uh, how long we actually get to put it on before ABC wants to get started is anybody's guess. But if CBS could get to a Big Ten or a Pac-12 to create some replacement for the SEC, I think that's going to be important for that brand. That kind of exposure is critical going forward for the Pac-12, both in football and the basketball side of things. And those kind of deals have to be struck, but that that's the kind of stuff. And then you've got to get into the communities and say, what do we need to do to get the fans to come back? Ultimately there, there that's the triumphant of responsibilities. And then you go in, into that creative world where what's the new television world look like, right? Netflix and, and uh, Amazon wanting to get involved. How do we get mm-hmm. our brand into other than the continental 48? Where do we, you know, Larry had some grand ideas about Asia Pacific Rim and stuff. I mean, those are things out there, but immediately we've got to get the, the network profile that we're missing so badly.
0: I'm just concerned that if I call the search committee and I ask them to talk to Rick neweisel they'll say, how can we talk to Rick Neuweisel when he can't figure out Zoom with Mitch? I, I mean, I, I, we can't. <laughs> how can... <laughs> How can the new Pac-12 commissioner not know the how to first, zoom? The
7: first, <laughs> if, 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 as your new commissioner, the first
0: interview uh. I'll, I'll
7: have is with somebody who's a Zoom proficient uh. expert. <laughs> uh. All
0: right, you can't you can't go anywhere without a, a thought or two, and maybe even a pick on Super Bowl 55. I think it's 55. I would think that a lifelong I, I would think that a lifelong quarterback, a Rose Bowl hero, a Bruin, a Charger, a gunslinger has to smile at Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Brady goes to the Super Bowl in his first year, Rick, in Tampa. Uh, it's just an amazing, an amazing career. I don't I've know. I don't, I don't know uh, an a- I'm not smart enough to have an adjective that describes what he's done in his career. And I'm not sure that you and I have really ever talked about him in depth. What is it? What is it about Tom Brady? What is it that people missed coming out of college? Or did he just become a new player once he got to the NFL?
7: I liken Tom Brady uh, as the quarterback equivalent to an assassin. You know, he has this, you know, charming, boyish, good-look, boy-next-door, oh, gosh, oh, want to say thanks, you know, how much I love my mom and dad and my wife and kids after every interview. And yet, he's the guy who's going to go – as soon as he leaves that, open the case and there's a rifle in there and he's going to be able to just gut you, yeah. just absolutely just slaughter you. I watched him in terrible weather in Baltimore when I was a coach for the Ravens just dismantle Rex Ryan's defense. That was the year they went 18-0 and and got beat by the Giants in the Super Bowl. It was a monster performance. As the same year, I got to see Brett Favre play. I got to see Peyton Manning play. I mean, I I saw all the greats from my sideline vantage point, and Brady was the most impressive in just his killer instinct. He's not his best form of Tom Brady. I mean, he missed balls the other day at three picks against Green Bay. But he is making his teammates believe we're going to win. And somehow, way, things have gone their way in this three-game run in the postseason, first time he's ever been the wild-card quarterback. He's always been the division champ there in, in New England. But this guy is an assassin, and it's going to take somebody like Patrick Mahomes to dismantle him because right now the confidence level of Tampa Bay and the pass rush, and we add in that Fisher's gone at left tackle for the Chiefs, they believe they're going to win. And so you got to beat them. You're not going to happen into this. You got to beat them. Good news is for Chiefs fans, they got a guy who's an assassin too. Yeah. And Mahomes to me is more on top of his game. I think he's even got better weapons. I'm taking the Chiefs in the game. It's I'm taking them by 10 points, but it's going to be one of those games that we're going to remember for a long time. And it happens on February 7th, Mitch which is Super Sunday, but it's also Super 60 because Rick Neuheis turned 60 years old on that day.
0: Just a young man. Just a very, very a young, young man. Happy birthday in 60. advance. I've
7: got our good buddy John Benz coming over. We're oh. going to have a big time. Play a little golf early. Timmy nice. uh, O'Keefe, my pal from Seattle, is going to be here. We're going to just go out Super 60 in it. For nice. Super
0: nice. Happy birthday. Before you get off the phone, Mahomes, you say, is incredible. He's going to make more money than anyone in his career. This could be two in a row. You think he's going to win his second in a row. How quickly are we going to enter his name into the conversations about the greats of all time?
7: That conversation is being had. Now, It obviously, as we know, this all is predicated on health and durability and so forth, and we'll keep our fingers crossed. The other thing that's going to happen to him And this is, you know, something that you just have to deal with in today's NFL. Two years from now, he's going to kick in on all that cap money. And that cap money is going to say, how much can we pay the Travis Kelsey's, the uh, Tyree Kills of the world? Right now, that hasn't kicked in. It don't kick in next year either. But two years from now, the luxury of having all those weapons is going to dissipate, except for the kids that are coming out of the draft. They'll have to be really good in the draft for him to continue this kind of run that he's enjoying right now.
0: Chiefs win and Chiefs cover, correct? That's where I'm going, baby. Okay. On your 60th, you wouldn't get one wrong on your 60th. You might get one on my 60th. You might get one wrong on your 59. Take 59th. it to the bank. Yep. Take, take it, to the, it to the bank. He's not I'm messing this. Up. He's not messing this up, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Neuheisel. I don't know if he's the next Pac-12 commissioner, but he's certainly our buddy on episode 128. Thank you, Rick. See you, bye, friend. It's time for a little money management trivia with Evergreen Golf Call's lead financial planner, Katie Versio. And I'm going to be honest, Katie, Happy New Year. I don't like my chances on these multiple choice questions.
8: Happy New Year, Mitch. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: It's great to have you. Go ahead. Question number one.
8: So first question, what's the median age for retirement for individuals in the U.S.?
0: i'm thinking that people are living longer people are healthier longer so i would say mid to high 60s i'll go 67. katie
8: so it's actually 62. People think that they will be able to work longer and longer, that you know, they need to save up and work as long as possible, but unfortunately, their skills aren't as relevant or they have illnesses or family things, they have to end up retiring earlier. Wow.
0: Do you give partial credit? Are you a teacher that gives partial credit? <laughs> <laughs>
8: I'll give you a B for that one.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll take question number two. Go ahead.
8: So what type of retirement account allows for tax-free withdrawals? Is it a traditional IRA, a SEP IRA, a Roth IRA, or a simple IRA?
0: Don't know the differences between all of them. <laughs> There's a uh, lot of acronyms there. I, see, I, I hear a lot of IRAs. I had an uncle IRA. I'll go a SEP IRA. So actually
8: the correct answer is Roth IRA. <laughs> So all the other ones that I mentioned are pre-tax, so you get a tax deferral when you contribute, but a Roth IRA, you actually don't get a deduction when you make a contribution, but it comes out tax-free.
0: I'm 0 for 2, although I got partial credit (laughs) on number one, I'm going for the third, go ahead. Question number three.
8: So what type of medical expense account offers the largest tax benefit? Is it a health savings account? a flex savings account, or a money market account.
0: I noticed you only gave me three this time. You're trying to help me out here. It's a one out of three. Although I've got a health savings account. I like it. I'm going to go with the HSA, the traditional HSA.
8: Yes, that is correct. That was a a little bit of an easier one with only three a money market does not have any tax benefits a flex savings account you get a tax deduction when you contribute to it but you have to use it within a year so it's kind of a use it or lose it but a health savings account you get the tax deduction when you contribute and you can invest those funds like a retirement account, and then you can take money out down the line. So it gets a lot of good tax-deferred
0: growth. Some good information from Katie Versio. She's a lead financial planner at our buddies at Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest.
4: Unfiltered.
9: look at the stock market. That usually works, right? That's where that's where people invest all their retirement money, so it should probably work. Here to help us answer that question is the new majority shareholder of GameStop, Derek Boner.
10: Thank you. No, what up? This is this is crazy, dude. You know, by the way, my name's Derek Evans, but I made you say Boner.
9: Terrific. Now would you say the stock market still works?
1: Uh, First of all, it's uh, pronounced the stonk market. And, uh, yeah, hell yeah, it works. See, I told you, all my money, I put all my money in
5: GameStop, and I can't lose.
9: Uh Uh-huh. So normally a stock price reflects a company's value, right? Okay. (laughs) And two weeks ago, GameStop was valued at $17 a share, and then it went to $413 a share. Would you say that reflects the kind of business GameStop stores have been doing in the past two weeks? Uh, We
1: sell games?
9: Right, but are you good at it? Uh,
10: Not really. Uh, People download all their games now, so we're kind of like, I don't
4: know, what do you call it? Uh,
9: A dying business?
4: Yeah, that's it.
9: Right, so your price should have gone... Down. But instead it went...
4: Up the most.
9: So now it seems like...
4: The entire system is a joke?
9: Exactly.
0: Interesting. Hey, uh, you want to buy my stonks? So to call the last week on Wall Street crazy, I don't know, it'd be like describing Patrick Mahomes as a decent quarterback. Whether you dabble in the stock market or not, The GameStop short squeeze Robin Hood story is a whopper, and I guess it's far from over. Jeff Dix is the Managing Director of Investments with our partners at Evergreen Golf Call. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Mitch, thanks for having me. I've always enjoyed (laughs) listening to your content, so it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you being here. Start maybe with a little easy-to-understand synopsis. Let's start with this. Yep. Game Stops are these little video game stores that we see in the mall all the time, whose business yep. model I would imagine is becoming kind of obsolete because kids are just buying and downloading the games online. So it's a struggling business. Start there, Jeff.
10: Yes. So one thing I just need to, to mention uh, from a compliance standpoint is anything I am saying should not be taken as investment advice. Okay. Um, So with that said, I'll kind of go over what's happening. So a few stocks have moved up significantly over the last few weeks, with many up over 100% during single trading sessions. You have GameStop, AMC Theaters, Bed Bath & Beyond. You had Tootsie Roll. Mitch, I didn't even know Tootsie Roll had a stock. (laughs) Um, And this was uh, driven mostly by retail investors. These retail investors are talking to each other on social media. One of the biggest platforms is Reddit they have a subgroup called Wall Street Bets. And essentially, they're sharing investment ideas and piling into these stocks together. They don't care about the price. They don't care about the fundamentals. It's, to me, it's kind of like gambling like going to the roulette table putting $100 on black these investors just don't care about the price so the trade that has caught most uh, the most attention is GameStop as you mentioned you know they're a retailer they're struggling you know i kind of compare it to blo- to to blockbuster back in the day you know you don't need to to rent movies anymore just like video games right. you can just download them online eventually blockbuster went bankrupt in 2010 um, so Wall Street picked up on this trend and several hedge fund and money managers placed large short bets on the company. Uh, a short is essentially where you profit when the share price goes down. However, shorting is very, very risky. Um, when you buy a stock, you know that's risky in itself. Uh, it, you know, if the stock goes bankrupt, you lose your initial investment, your entire investment, I should say. Mm-hmm. But shorting is even more dangerous because there's unlimited downside. So you can actually lose much more than your initial investment. So if you short a stock at 10 bucks and it goes to 100 bucks you would lose $90 or or basically nine times that $10 initial price. Whereas if you bought a stock at 10 bucks and it went to zero, you'd just lose 10 bucks. So the issue with GameStop is the number of shares sold short was actually greater than the number of shares outstanding. So there's 50 million shares available to trade. And as of last week, there were 70 million shares sold short. The Reddit folks picked up on this and banded together and essentially created this short squeeze, where as they drove up the price, the short position started seeing massive leveraged losses. Exactly. In fact, one hedge fund, Melvin Capital, had to be bailed out by two other hedge funds, Citadel and SAC.
0: You're going too fast. so stop there as the price goes up for these hedge funds that shorted the stock. At a certain point, it goes up high enough where they then have to buy the stock, right? They have to cash correct. cash in, and that's where the losses take place. And a lot of these, well, I don't know a lot of them. The, the hedge funds, some hedge funds might not have the capital to back up their, their bet, so to speak.
10: That's correct. And when you cover the short, you actually have to buy the share.
0: Which, so, which in turn which also buying- right, drives the stock price up again, right, with these hedge funds.
10: Exactly. And then, and then not only that, this stuff starts to spread on social media, kind of, you know, the network effect, uh, network effect where then more people start piling in. And the interesting thing is, as a lot of these hedge funds closed out their short position, which created enormous buying pressure, other investors started to short the stock as well. So, you, despite the hedge funds selling out of their short positions, you still have short interest over 100% of the shares outstanding. So this this very well could continue.
0: Yeah. For casino gamblers, Jeff, shorting a stock is like the guy who appears at the craps table and bets against everybody. Bets ta- yeah. bets, bets against the shooter, the don't pass line. There's always that one or yeah. two guys at the in the corner of the table. Everybody's cheering for each other. Those two guys are betting that the roller is going to lose.
10: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Okay. So the stock closed on Monday January 4th, we're talking about GameStop now. Yep. At at Mm -hmm. 17 and a quarter a share. 17 and a quarter a share on Monday, January 4th. 18 business days later, $325 a share. So if you owned, let's say, a thousand shares, if you invested in a thousand shares at $17,250, your investment is now worth $325. Thousand. Have you ever seen anything like this, or is it just not possible because until we get to the day and age that we're in now, 2021, of the internet and, and Reddit and all of that social media nonsense?
4: I
10: haven't in my career seen anything like this. It sort of feels like a pump and dump scheme, and I guess you could question, is this, is this legal? You know, technically, pump and dump is where you're providing false and misleading statements where you're claiming the company is undervalued. But you look at these Reddit message boards and that's not really happening. They're admitting the company is not not very valuable and they're saying buy it anyways. They're intentionally trying to create this short squeeze. And you know, the next question might be, is this market manipulation? Right. You know, you look at security attorneys, they don't have a clue, um, but I'll offer an analogy here. If you think about a hedge fund. Mm-hmm. You know, they raise and pool assets, and they make big, big leverage bets. All the time, you see these hedge fund managers go on CNBC, they pitch their idea, they talk up their book, and then they, they essentially are trying to get the viewers to buy into their ideas. So, so is this really that much different? I'm not sure it is.
0: By the way, these hedge funds that you're talking about are losing billions of dollars, but it might be important to note, Jeff, that these managers are really losing other people's money more than their own right
10: yeah so that's a really good point and you know you think about their investor base these are you know retirement funds uh pension pension funds you know endowments so the the end investor here um are, are, are real people mm-hmm. so You would hope that these endowments, pension funds are, you know, diversified and using a lot of different hedge fund managers. So hopefully this isn't a huge impact to a lot of their investor base, but certainly for people that are investing in these hedge funds, they're going to face massive losses.
0: So Jeff, the next layer to this is Robinhood, Ameritrade, E-Trade, these online brokers that last week froze the ability to buy the stock they say it's because the volatility drives up the capital that they all need and are obliged to cover a certain percentage of the trades. Others would say, mm-hmm. hey, by freezing the ability to buy the stock, they're in, essence, they're in essence manipulating the stock prices and helping the hedge fund guys to keep the stock at a, at a certain level. How do you see that?
10: Yeah, I think it was a major mistake by Robinhood to shut down the buying of GME. Um, You know, basically, you know, the perception is they bowed and they acted to protect Wall Street at the expense of the little guys and the little guys, their client. Um, And that put downward pressure on the stock and very likely allowed a lot of the short positions to cover their position, which infuriated retail investors, the media. And, you know, making matters worse, a few hedge funds provided rescue funds to Robinhood and that oh, creates boy. a, a oh, certainly a perceived conflict of interest if not an actual conflict of interest and then another aspect of robin hood is they sell trade data to financial institutions and hedge funds mm. one of the one of the trading partners is citadel so one of their the partners that, they're, that they do a lot of business with is Citadel, and Citadel is one of the firms that provided rescue funds to Melvin Capital, which was one of the hedge funds that had the biggest losses of anyone. So it's you know it's it's a, it's a big tangled web, and I think I think Robinhood made made a major error, you know, not allowing their clientele to buy GameStop.
0: Jeff Dix of Evergreen Golf Call. So Jeff, how does this end? Here we have a very high priced stock now with no legitimate business reasons to justify the price. At some point, I'd imagine everyone cashes in and takes their profits and the stock price plummets. If that's the case, why wouldn't billionaire hedge funds now jump in and short the stock at this price?
10: It's a good question. As I mentioned before, the short interest is still very high. Uh, Wall Street... Bets the uh, that forum has doubled their user base from three million to six million. So I, I mean, it's it's hard to tell if this is going to keep going going higher before it goes down. I think you're right. Eventually, stocks over the long term are going to trade down to their fundamental value. So I think blindly piling into these stocks is highly risky and it's going to end badly for many investors. Um, but you know, shorting it here is highly risky as well. Um, in terms of you know the climate going forward, I think. I think, you know, near term, we could see more of this for other stocks. Wow. And I think there are going to be regulatory changes that happen. Um, I think one one change that very likely should happen is that you shouldn't allow more shares that are traded than uh, to be shorted. Mm-hmm. So limiting the amount of uh, the ability to short certain stocks might contain some of this. But I think uh, in the near term, we could see more of this happen.
0: You know, I, I'm interested, as all this plays out, I was reading the story the other night. Of Ryan Cohen. Do you know Ryan Cohen's story? The the thirty four yeah, the thirty-four year old founder of something called Chewy. If you have a pet you know about Chewy dot com. He invested something like seventy five or eighty million dollars back in December in GameStop to try to help them create a better business model. And he's sitting here on the sidelines with the biggest, he's the biggest shareholder. And and watching all this happen made him $3 billion. His, His stock now is worth $3 billion as a result of the recent climb. As this all plays out, the large shareholders who are involved in GameStop, Jeff, what do they do? All of a sudden, this struggling business and all their shares have just skyrocketed through the roof through no doing of their own, uh, on or off the field, so to speak. So, do they start cashing out how, how do, do founders start cashing out? founders of gamestop start taking profits? How does that work i don 't think um,
10: though I, I don't think that would be allowed in, you know after the fact for insiders to sell their shares. Um, I think there would be major pushback. I think it would potentially face significant legal issues mm-hmm. based on what's happening. Mm-hmm. There were a few insiders that sold some shares earlier this year kind of before uh, the happened. stock blew up higher but I don't think it would be legal for the insiders to sell after, after this happened.
0: I enjoy watching some of the billionaires try to distance themselves from the establishment and try to become Jeff, you know, the cool kids. Elon Musk, for an example, he's out there. He wants to be one of us. He doesn't want to be one of them. Mark Cuban. He wants to be one of us, not one of them. These guys, especially in Musk's case, he carries a lot of weight. He carries a lot of influence. When he tweets something, it seems like the world listens to him, Jeff.
10: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, he tweeted on GameStop, and then you had a, his whole following Search. probably, or a, a great majority of his following probably went into the stock. So he has tremendous influence. You know, and I think part of it's just the social media aspect of the world we live in today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, amplifies how information spreads, how stuff's disseminated, and that's just the world we live in.
0: So what will ultimately... Jeff, be the SEC's response to all of this in terms of regulations. I'm assured, I'm certain that it's going to be slow, whatever happens. Will they go after hedge funds? Will they regulate them? Will they regulate the shorting business? What do you think ultimately a year or two from now will be the result of all this? Will they change the playing field, the game?
10: Yeah, I I do. I I think they're going to limit and I and we discussed this briefly before but I think they'll limit the amount of shares that can be shorted for a stock so maybe capping that at say 50% of the shares outstanding you know when you get into an environment where over 100% of the shares are sold short it creates an environment that can lead to a short squeeze like this where a stock price detaches completely from from fundamentals mm-hmm. it's a dangerous game and I think they do need to change those rules and I and I think they will get changed over time.
2: Okay,
0: you can't, as you leave us, advise us on stocks and investments. So tell us who's going to win the Super Bowl, Jeff.
10: Uh, you know, I, I got asked this uh, internally just last week, and I'm going with Tampa Bay. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I played football myself, Mitch. So I, you know, I follow it pretty closely. You know, one, I think the D line for Tampa Bay is going to be. Uh, very important. Shaq Barrett had three sacks last week. They have JPP. Kansas City has two tackles that may be out or will be injured. I think in a Super Bowl, getting pressure on the opposing quarterback is extremely important. I think it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. I think Tampa Bay has some really good weapons. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk's going to be there. Uh, So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay here.
0: You need your own show, Jeff. You need your own show. (laughs) Do Do you like the new offensive coordinator of the Seahawks? Yeah, uh,
10: I'm uh, optimistic. I think we were a little bit too, we, we didn't mix it up enough this year for the Seahawks. And I think, you know, getting a little bit more creative, you know, I, I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive on offense, particularly when we get late in the third and fourth quarter, open up the playbook a bit, you know, throw the ball. So I, I'm optimistic about the Seahawks. It's it's a little challenging, you know, when you have a, a big contract for Russ and, that takes away from some of the other areas of the team. But, you know, I think, I think we'll, we'll be competitive this year and, and for the next several years, for well, that matter.
0: Well, the Rams have a new quarterback in Matt Stafford. It seems like the 49ers are shopping for a new quarterback, so there might be a new look, at least from a quarterback perspective, in the NFC West. Jeff Dix, Evergreen Golf Call. We love Evergreen Golf Call. We love Jeff Dix. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate it. Hey, look who it is. Dan Black. The president of Zeke's Pizza is on, what else? The Zeke's
4: Pizza Hotline. Dan, how are you? I'm doing good, Mitch. Thanks. How's Zeke's Pizza? Zeke's is doing good. It's, you know, it's wintertime. It's dark and cold, but we're selling some pizza. We're selling some beer. We're selling some franchises, so we're feeling good. So I want to know how
0: well the big boss knows his own menu. Okay, we'll see here. Are you ready? Here we go. I say a big pie with pepperoni, Italian sausage, Canadian bacon.
4: That one's easy. That's the John Candy.
0: I say pepperoni, Canadian bacon, Italian sausage, chicken bacon, mushroom, black olive, green pepper, tomato, fresh garlic. You say?
4: That's a lot of stuff. So it's got to be the kitchen. (laughs) It's got to be the kitchen sink.
0: Two of the more popular pies, or what? What is the most
4: popular pie? Yes, those those two are both popular. Cherry bomb and Puget Pounder are two most popular pies.
0: Kenmore is open. That makes 18. How they doing and what's coming on Zeke's?
4: Kenmore's had a good couple of weeks. We've talked about the other restaurants we have being built right now or leases being signed, which are Mill Creek, Seward Park and Mount Lake Terrace, and then since the last time we've talked, we've actually got a bunch more traction. There's nothing I can announce yet, but there's as many as three new deals that I'm wow. getting ready to sign. So yeah, the momentum continues on the franchising front.
0: What a great feather in your cap to be able to expanding at the rate that you guys are during a tough
4: time. Well, of course it's all been me, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it Zeke says it's been great. It's our brand has got a lot of momentum since covid hit people have discovered us in new ways particularly with the beer delivery and stuff pizza's been busy in general because it's good takeout and delivery and so Well, I'd hesitate to say COVID's been good. It has given us some momentum in ways that it it hasn't necessarily done for everybody.
0: Three ways to order online. Also, you can download the Zeke's Pizza app like we do here at the Levy Family. Or you can just call the old-fashioned way, the phone number, which is?
4: 206-285-8646.
0: Zeke's Pizza, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and a terrific supporter all these years for me, homegrown in the Northwest.
4: Unfiltered.
0: stuff you got other stuff I've got other stuff of course I do yes okay
1: Lionel Messi I know you love a nice soccer story we we're talking about big contracts yeah you happen to see this no well they're going to take legal action against Spanish newspaper El Mundo which I know you get delivered here every day <laughs> after it released it released the leaked details of uh, the forwards record-breaking contract you know what he's going to get
0: who are we talking about now
1: I think it's pronounced Lionel Messi Messi yeah let's just call him Messi Messi yeah okay that would be 673 million dollars
0: over how many years
1: it doesn't say because it was leaked and it's not necessarily clear, but that's if, if he hits all of his incentives, six hundred and ince- Jesus. So I'm thinking to myself, self, Brett and Piper, let's hit the <laughs> basketballs out of their hands. Forget basketball. Go pick up a soccer ball. Oh dear. Do you know how big he is? He's five messy, five, seven, 160. and he's the highest paid athlete on the planet.
0: And 70, 670 million
1: 673 and he's pissed that it got leaked so we'll see what happens there Jeez. not too shabby for a soccer oh, player God. yeah there you go all
0: right i've got patrick reed if you want to do patrick reed i've got nick saban want to just get nick saban out of the way let's do it i'm ready sell me coach as i told as i told you in the first segment uh, some zoom footage now the audio is not great you're gonna have to you know listen closely okay. audio is not great A Zoom call between Nick Saban a few months ago and a potential Alabama recruit where he's selling all the reasons to go to Alabama somehow got leaked. Before you play it, it's
1: weird when you said a leaked Zoom call with Nick Saban, my head instantly went somewhere else. His pants were down, or it's, that's like that's the world we're living in you now. This poor BBC journalist had like an adult toy on the shelf behind her every day. There's a new story about somebody no, on it, so I'm no. really happy for Nick that it's this. No, thank you. He's sitting.
0: I can. T- I'm looking at it. He's sitting in like a, a big family room. <laughs> okay. He's looking into his computer, and he's talking to the kid and his. The kid's parents about why you should come to Alabama. Okay. Now you got to listen closely. The audio is not great, but I think it comes across pretty well. You tell me, you you tell me that you would go anywhere other than Alabama if you were a high school football <laughs> player looking at colleges. And this guy said this to you.
2: Anybody in the history of college football in the last 12 years. One more championships. We won six championships in the last 11 years. We've been in the national championship game. Eight out of the last eleven years, we've been in the playoffs. Nine out of the last eleven years, we got more guys drafted than any school in the country.
10: We had sixty-four guys playing in the league last year. The next school had forty-one. So we got way more players playing in the league. Than they play. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, everybody's going to tell you in recruiting, you know, oh, don't go to Alabama. You can play at our school before you can play there. They got all these good players there. Uh, you don't know, be able to play. You played our place earlier. I think that the worst stuff that people can tell you. Like, first of all, when they tell you that, they're first of
2: all insulting you. All right, because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if you couldn't play here. Right. Number two, when they say you can play our place before you can play at Alabama, they're just telling you Alabama's better than our yeah. place. number two. All right. Then number three right, is if you ask our players on our team, they'll tell you just the opposite. They'll tell you the competition may be
10: better. Mm-hmm. You know, Marlon Humphrey will say he played corner, first corner taken in the draft when he was a junior. Say, I had to cover Martin Cooper every day. Martin Cooper was the first receiver taken in the draft. All right. My Cam Robinson played left tackle here and won the Alpha Trophy. Got Allen played for the Redskins. He was the right hand. He won the recursion. They practiced against each other every day for three years. All those guys will tell you that made me better. Right. The competition made me better. The guy I practiced against was better than the guy I played in the game against. So don't listen to that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I got the same for everybody.
2: Everybody can't play for the Yankees, man. I mean, you got to want to be good. You got to want to
10: play with the best. You want
1: to be the best. There you go. I'm heading to Corvallis, Coach. Thanks anyway.
10: (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean,
1: all I can hear is the Rocky music in my head, like no easy way out or something. Look, not everybody can play for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, this isn't for everybody. I mean, they say steel sharpens steel, right? right. I mean, my, my daughter has told me numerous times practice is way harder than the games because they're kicking the shit out of each other <laughs> practice, and then they go play these teams and they just pummel them, you know. So there's something to what he's saying, you know. Something to what he's saying. Yeah. I'm sure other schools love to say... "Oh, Who you,
0: can make a pitch like yeah, that?
1: Nah, no one. I mean, he backs it all up with number one receiver, you know, the whole thing. But I'm sure schools love to say, oh, you go to Alabama, you'll be buried on the bench for three years. Yeah, they probably love to say... So he's already ready for he's it. He's ready for that. Yes, he is. <laughs>
0: They're insulting you when they say that. That's right, yeah. Because I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't think you could play for Alabama. And I
1: believe him. I believe him. He ain't wasting God. his time if you couldn't play. Yeah, that's great.
0: That guy in a normal year comes into your family room... Yeah. When there's no COVID and he tells you that, he looks at you and your parents in the eye and he does that spiel, yep. you're going somewhere other than Alabama? No, I don't think so. No, no. You're, you're gonna, <laughs> as soon as he leaves, so. you're putting
1: on the headphones, you're going uh, for a run. Like, I'm motivated. I'm uh, going right here. All right, some small investors who have been blocked from making money on the Robin Hood platform, apparently, oh, as man. we've talked
0: about. Oh, man.
1: They still have enough money to hire a pilot to send a message. You know when planes pull signs? Sure. They're circling over the Robin Hood campus with a sign. Yeah, people are not happy. And I won't say what it says, but it it rhymes with pluck my guts, Robin Hood. (laughs) The the banner flew in the skies above San Francisco where their headquarters Uh, are. And it's dripping in anger because they weren't allowed to trade the, the, you know, the AMC and the GameStop and the BlackBerry and all that. So there you go. People are not happy.
0: My buddy Patrick Reed is back in the news on the PGA Tour. I saw that. Now, help me understand. Is he
1: one of the guys, you said there's one that complains a lot or or plays slow or just kind of annoys people? Is that not
0: him? He annoys people, but not because he plays slow. He annoys people because he, he, he takes the rules very lightly. Gotcha. Okay. He's been known to do some really questionable things. Oh. And then on top of that, there were some cheating scandals in college. And then on top of that, <laughs> when he won the Masters, he got in a big fight with his parents who live in Augusta, Georgia. He didn't let them come to Augusta. He didn't let them story. come five miles from their house to watch their <laughs> son win the Masters. Yeah. There's just been a lot about him there was an incident two incidents in a in a bunker at uh, at a golf tournament that, that Tiger Woods actually sponsored I do not remember two that. months ago yeah. where he hit the sand he improved his line. there's always been a lot of cloudy a lot of dark cloudy stuff around Patrick Reed well it's da- it's happened again at this week's at this week's stop at Torrey Pines oh yeah he took a how do i explain this A ball that he claimed was embedded. Okay. Very rainy in San Diego and very muddy and whatever. And he claimed that his ball was embedded. If your ball is embedded, you get to pick it up and take a a free drop. Okay. Well, typically, you would call a playing partner over so that he can protect the rest of the field and make sure it is embedded. Or you call a rules official over. He called a rules official over. Yeah. Except he picked the ball up before the rules official even got there. Before he got permission to do so. Essentially. Ugh. Now, golf is a game of honor. Is he entitled to do that? I guess, but it's really shaky. On top of it all, he's asking if the ball bounced replays show that the ball bounced. now how how reasonable is it that a ball is embedded after it bounces and it, it really it hit the ground from about a foot and a half up it bounced about a foot and up up in the air and then landed how often does a ball get embedded after it comes from a foot and a half high
1: if it was going to get embedded it would have on the first one correct yeah it yeah. would have
0: plugged right out of way <laughs> yeah. so there was just a lot oh. of stuff Now, there's a lot of people that are defending him saying, oh, this is because it's Patrick Reed and it's Uh, a big deal. If this were Tiger or Phil or Bubba Watson or Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy, this would not be a story. It's only a story about Patrick Reed. And my response to that is if this were Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or any of those guys, they would have called an official over who would have they would have not touched the ball until the official came over to give a ruling. Yeah. That's what stinks to high hell. <laughs> he's picking the ball up. He's dropping the ball or he's moving the ball. And then he's bringing an official, Brad Fable, over to look at the little hole where the ball supposedly was. Yeah. The ball's not there anymore because he's picked it up to say, hey, are you okay with this? Uh, now, he could have pressed the – he could have taken the ball and put his finger on top before he picked it up and pressed it in a little bit to make it a little more of a – a lot of – I mean, I'm not saying he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's very questionable. <laughs> That he would move the ball before God. a playing partner or a rules official would come over there and say, "Yep, it's an embedded ball. Go ahead." It's
1: easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission, right? It's, I mean, just, it's just pushing the limits. Stinks there.
0: Stinks to high hell. Anyway, there's my Patrick Reed of the of the morning. Pope Francis, big fan. Pope Francis. Oh, he's got to lose weight. He does. Pope Francis. His doctor said. What's he on the thirty ten thing?
1: Not yet, but he, his doctor <laughs> might put him on it. So he's got sciatica. You ever had? You probably never had sciatica. No, but it's the pressure on the sciatic nerve. Okay. And it causes immense pain. I, in, I've in the lower back. Well, like, in it, your legs. Both. It, it yeah. Can, yeah. There's a yeah. nerve that runs all the way down. Anyway, yeah. it's yeah. really bad. But so his doctor said pasta and pizza are off the table. And I was thinking. <laughs> You pull this guy from Argentina into Italy, and now the poor guy can't eat. What good is it to be Pope if you can't eat freaking pizza and pasta well, all day? Well, the so. other
0: question I have is someone who's going to <laughs> Europe or intending to go to Europe this coming summer. I yep. don't know if the, the, the trip is going to happen. I remember as a kid going to Italy, as a little kid with my family, and not liking the pizza and pasta. Do you like the pizza and pasta? Is is it the same or or do we like American pizza yeah. and American pasta and then we get to Italy and we're thinking, Oh, pizza and pasta, and then you don't like it that much.
1: Oh, you're the only guy eating at Sabaro in Rome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does Sbarro have
1: a Roma? Pizza? I don't know. <laughs> but I've heard that about Whoa. Chinese food too. Like my friend who he had a team in China yeah. for Xbox, whatever. He the food is not like you get at the little Chinese Have you place. ever been to Italy? I haven't been to Italy, okay. no. No, but uh, yeah, I heard that yeah, you know, it's probably yeah, it's probably Americanized, lots yeah. of cheese and big yeah, it's probably yeah. different.
0: But you hate, hate to go across the world for a nice dish of pasta and be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, imagine you're in Italy and you hate the pasta. And the Pope is over there at the next table. <laughs> right. He's not
1: supposed to be. <laughs> but some doctor in there has to go tell the Pope to eat more uh, vegetables. Have fun,
0: buddy. Rest in peace, John Cheney, 89 years old. I know that you probably have him on your list. Legendary college basketball coach. Yeah. Hall of Famer. 24 years, I think, at Temple. Revered, really, in the basketball world and the circles of basketball around the world. Was not only a great coach, but was a great humanitarian. Mm. a great teacher a great mentor to his kids and of course you will never ever hear the words John Cheney without listening back or watching back <laughs> the infamous video of him attacking a young John Calipari and telling him when I see you I'm gonna kick your ass Love it. I'll kill you <laughs> when he busted into John Calipari's press conference I don't know how Calipari couldn't have been more than 27 26 oh, that young oh he was really young 28 like oh well, wow. maybe he was 30 maybe I, he was 30. Know. I know I know that I know that um John Cheney was 63 when he broke into that press conference and then he charged and they got in between him. I remember and he told him next time I see you I'm gonna kick your ass and of course the next time he saw him he gave him a big hug yeah
1: Judging how people or what they think of Calipari, think yeah. he might have been onto something there. He probably was a bit of a bad guy. Well, I mean, Calipari's been linked with some pretty shady stuff, right?
0: Well, I, you know, I don't know what you want to call shady, but yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he's always... He's not beloved like Krzyzewski. Oh, no. Well, I don't know that Krzyzewski's beloved. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, Roy yeah.
1: Williams or whoever, yeah. right? Yeah. He's, you know, people have John Chaney was
0: the, the, the best. Now, did did he
1: create the, the 48 minutes of hell or whatever that, that defense was, or am I thinking of a different
0: you No, you're, he, he was known for his matchup zone defense. Okay. He was the first guy that really played the matchup zone defense gotcha. in Philadelphia. Yeah. John Chaney, we'll miss him, age 89.
1: I think that happened right after we got done recording, so I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. I don't have it on here. Oh, you didn't have it on the list. I didn't. No, I uh-huh. have a couple other ones. Floyd, okay. The Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul back match has been officially postponed. I know you're bummed out. A Mayweather spokesperson says that it's because of COVID and other things. So oh. the boxing match between Mayweather and Logan Paul, which I can't believe is still freaking happening. Well, I had it's Logan
0: Paul on my list, believe uh, it or not. There's a, a big stink between Jose Canseco and his daughter. Jose Canseco. Josie Canseco.
1: Yeah. And if Do you know this? Well, Told you about this story a few months ago, I think. Go ahead.
0: Well, he's embarrassed her and now she's blocking him and she's not talking to her father. I don't know that. Oh, you don't know that. No, but I know they Fathers embarrassing their daughters can be a rite of passage for some, but Josie and Jose Canseco oh, are no longer on speaking terms because the stubborn 56-year-old retired baseball star, I thought he was older than that, won't stop feuding with YouTuber Logan Paul over social media. My dad's been going on an effing rampage on Twitter, calling out Logan, <laughs> calling out Jake, <laughs> so just being so selfishly embarrassing. Normally, if a dad wanted to start a fake Twitter beef or whatever, he'd be like, hey, do you mind if I call your boyfriend out and call him? Week and this and that. I'm done with my dad.
1: I, first of all, I can't believe this is like the final straw of having <laughs> him for a dad. I mean, he's been nuts for like 20 years, Jose, right? I mean, 40. Okay, This Probably is what years. did it? This is the thing? <laughs> straw that broke the camel's back. Now, don't forget, yeah, I mean, if, Josie and Logan dated.
0: Yeah, I don't know any of this.
1: Yeah, they, yeah so yeah. Jose's daughter dated Logan I Paul. I would have already thrown myself out the window if my <laughs> daughter dated him. But then Logan said think. something really disrespectful on Twitter. Oh, And I talked about it on another episode, you know, about sleeping with her. It was just, it was really classless and uncalled. So I, I sort of get Jose wanting to kill the guy, but I mean, you know, you got to think of your relationship with your daughter. She's done. Uh, Jerry Rice hauled in a hundred yard flying burrito. Did you see this? No. It's actually kind of cool. So he's shooting a commercial for Postmates. So he runs a streak. They have a cannon that shoots a burrito wrapped up a hundred yards and Jerry Rice freaking caught it. I'm sure it's going to be on a commercial soon. But Jesus. It's, he, and then he comes back and he's like, yeah, that thing was moving a lot in the air. It was kind of hard to track. I mean, 100 yards, it's this cannon shot of a burrito. Is that former Seattle Seahawk
0: Jerry Rice? Former Seattle Seahawk. <laughs> I don't know where else he played, but yeah, 58-year-old Jerry Rice. Hot shot, a class action lawsuit filed last week in California, accuses Subway. Oh, yeah. The Connecticut-based fast food giant. Familiar. A fraud and false advertising over what, Hotshot?
1: Well, you're talking to the right guy here because this is what I do for a living. I I know this shit. First, it was their bread. They said their bread wasn't bread. And
0: now I read that the tuna fish... The tuna fish. ...is a concoction of some kind. The tuna fish, according to the suit, the claims, entirely non-tuna-based mixture that defendants blended to resemble tuna and imitate its texture. Subway denies all allegations, by the way, telling NBC News in a statement, quote, we deliver 100 percent cooked tuna to its restaurants, which is mixed with mayonnaise and used in freshly made sandwiches and wraps. These baseless accusations threaten to damage our franchisees, our small business owners who work tirelessly to uphold the high standards that Subway sets for all of its products, including its tuna. So it's a he said, she said. Yeah. They say the tuna is 100% tuna, and the lawsuit says, no way. It's all gross, <laughs> non-tuna-based mixtures.
1: When I saw the word concoction, that didn't <laughs> sound good.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, they had that thing with their, their bread has been deemed not bread because of the sugar content. Like oh, I didn't know It's
0: technically not bread. Yeah. So, Do you now- go to Subway at all? I'll go to Subway. The kids like
1: Subway. I used to love it. I, I think
0: I've had the tuna sub at Subway.
1: You know, I was thinking the same thing. I have two, and it tasted just fine, fine to me. Fine. Yeah, totally. Literally. Taco Bell's been in trouble for their beef in quotes, not necessarily oh. being beef. So oh. I think sometimes restaurants might, you know, like if you're a could co- this
0: be a competitor that's uh, spreading this? Could be.
1: I mean, Subway I,
0: Quiznos I, I re- is Quiznos nah. taking a
1: shot? So Quiz, uh, <laughs> no, nah, nah. no, Subway is like. Lifting their it's nose. Jared taking a shot?
0: <laughs> Remember Jared?
1: <laughs> Who, by the way, had the greatest gig of all
0: time. Yeah. But this turned out to be a kind of a creepy figure.
1: Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And by the way. Is he in jail? Uh, I think he's still in jail. Is he in jail? But there is a picture of him at a Seahawk game with a Seahawk jersey on, so I'm happy to know he's a big Seahawk fan. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Your, your boy Kevin Shockey sent that to me, trying to oh, rip, really? on, rip on me as a Seahawk fan. Really? Yeah. So I didn't know that existed, but yeah. So then yes. I went ahead and sent him a picture of Bill Cosby in an Eagles jersey. So, <laughs> <laughs> there you go buddy <laughs> all, right. all right i'm done you're up famous pi jack paladino now the only reason i bring this up is because yes i i know i know this story oh, I, read, said, I read this story okay yeah. so yeah. You, do you know the name well i'm
0: up on uh, i'm a little bit more up on pop culture than you are on sports
1: yeah that's right that's that's totally and i I love sports more than you. I mean, no. I have, oh, Scott Van Pelt every yes. night. I just, I Did love Did he take it.
0: a fall? Did he get hit by a robber? Did he hit his head on the, uh, what happened? Pretty much all of those. So yeah. he
1: was taking pictures with his camera outside of something. Tell everybody
0: who he is, first of all.
1: Hired by the Clintons He's at one point? A famous PI, yeah. He was, yeah. worked for the Clintons. He worked on the Kurt Cobain murder. Yeah. Trying to figure out if Courtney was behind it or if she wasn't. Harvey Weinstein? Uh, I didn't he, see that I think that he was one. hired
0: by Harvey Weinstein, yeah.
1: Yeah, but yeah, to Clinton, follow the accusers, yeah. Michael Jackson's a yeah. accuser as well, yeah. but he's trying to take pictures and somebody tries to steal his camera. He held on to it, trying to not let go of it, and then he lo- he's seventy years old. He lost his balance, falls down and hits his head, and now they're saying he's on life support and it doesn't look oh. like he's going to pull through oh. because someone tried to steal his camera. Yeah, like first of all, can we stop stealing things from people? But second of all, if someone does try to, they always say if someone wants your gold chain or whatever you have on, that just give it to them. Please, is it worth it? Is it Just worth? Just give it to him. Yeah. So, luckily, a suspect has been arrested in that one. All right, your boy Nathan Apodaca, cranberry juice, Fleetwood Mac song.
0: you won't go. Much away. more talented than us. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly. Many well, more followers and listeners. Much more of a compelling figure than Mitch and Scott. Yes, without question. And like
1: I- everybody else, an Idaho museum had an event and they asked him to sign a cranberry bottle, a cranberry juice bottle, and they're putting it up in their museum. So there you go and in turn he got free membership for his whole family to the museum his star will not fade will not fade. you and i don't quite understand (laughs) what the hell is going on all right i have a a good story for you ready for a quick good yes yes. keith walker he's an atlanta homeless guy he saved 16 dogs and cats from a burning animal shelter i guess this thing caught fire no one was there he was homeless he saw he saved 16 animals well The CEO of Atlanta-based Georgia Works says that Keith is slated to enter her homeless program. They have this great program for these people. The goal is to make him a self-sufficient person, and that includes teaching him occupational skills and money management. And you're like, money management? He's on the streets. Well, there was a GoFundMe page that was set up for him because people saw this story and were like, this guy's a hero. He's got over 90 grand. Nice. 90 grand, this guy. Nice. He was sleeping on the streets a week ago. And now he's in a place. He's in a program. There's a 24-hour counselor. Good for him. And they're going to help him manage because his. Because he has a G's. good heart. That's it. We found out he had a good heart. Having a good heart counts yeah. for something apparently. Nathan Papadakis has a good heart. Is it Papadakis? <laughs> I think he got Webster's dad <laughs> thrown in there somehow. George Papadopoulos, or I don't know. All right, <laughs> Cicely Tyson. Yeah, ninety-eight. Yeah, ninety-six. I 96. think. But yeah, she was. Um, she just forged a path for African American actors on Broadway and in Hollywood. She passed away. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah. And then Sophie, you're not going to know who this is. Yes, but I do. You do know. Something, a sudden death, 20-something <sighs> years old. I don't know what happened. I didn't read what happened. And I don't know who she is, but I, I saw the headlines.
1: She's an electronic pop music icon. I know what that means. Well, it's not my music either, but she's... You should do
0: a, a behind the music. On yeah, well... When is the next behind the music coming?
2: Well, it it <laughs> takes forever, these
1: things, all right? But she actually got a Grammy nomination for uh, Best Dance Electronic Album, but she was climbing something to look at a full moon. It's very artist, you know, very artist of her. Yeah. And she slipped and died 34 years old. I know. Going to look at a full moon. She's, she slipped and died? That, that's all I was able to Come find. On. is that She slipped and died trying to go look at a full. That's what the official statement said. Yeah, I know. But I, I, I really want to read this because I, I sort of, I, I think it's important and I think it's beautiful what she once wrote because she was transgender and she was very open about her journey. Okay. She said transness is taking control to bring your body more in line with your soul and spirit so the two aren't fighting against each other and struggling to survive. I think that's a great way to sum that up and to put that. I think that's very beautiful and I hope people who maybe aren't super open to that will hear that and be like, yeah, that's, that's a good way to, especially in a week where guys in Indonesia are being caned for being gay. I mean, I think this is a kind of a beautiful statement to read. So anyway, I wanted to very get nice. that out for her. And so. now, how are
0: you going to segue from that to your next story? You play these goddamn
1: Uptempo records <laughs> and now I got to go into a female dying Yeah, Uh, I don't know how... Well, Oh, Uh, I had one more. Oh, no, I guess that was it. All right, last one. You ready? No. New Zealand. See, I'm staying away from Florida because I listen to everything you say.
0: New Zealand is a county in Florida.
1: Oh, well, that's what this is for. (laughs) I was trying to trick you.
0: New Zealand County, Florida.
1: So there was a woman who took a flight back to New Zealand. She was supposed to avoid all physical contact with others for 14 days as she went into mandatory quarantine, which is what they do there. Mm -hmm. The man working at the quarantine hotel was supposed to be the last line of defense. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the two started passing notes to each other, including one handwritten on the back of a face mask, very romantic. Then she ordered a bottle of wine, which he delivered to her room, and when he didn't return for 20 minutes later, a security manager sent to investigate found the pair together in what authorities are describing as an inappropriate encounter, one in which physical distancing wasn't maintained. Okay, you had me at inappropriate account encounter. I, you you, <laughs> you could go ahead. No, you could have left it there. I assume they weren't. Yeah, the incident was highlighted uh, as a very uh, human weak point in New Zealand's coronavirus elimination procedures, which they're very proud of. Yeah, because they essentially stamped it out. Twenty-five people died in that entire nation of five million people. It's not huge, but you know they're very proud of there. But yeah. we're dealing with human beings, said COVID nineteen Minister Chris Hipkins. We ask everyone to adhere to the standards, but. They're humans, and you know, it's up to each individual. So the worker went from having the best day at work ever to being sent home and then fired for his actions. Uh, they both came back negative. So there you go. No harm, no foul, less, okay. except for he lost his job.
2: Okay, good.
1: I think room service should have been suspicious when she ordered a bottle of penis grigio. <clears throat> oh,
0: Jesus.
1: Cheap. The story says that the guy was away for 20 minutes. 20 minutes away. I'm curious what he did for the other 17 uh, minutes. I knew you were going He there. saw that coming in a, <laughs> yeah, in a, a cab down, down First Avenue. <laughs> I saw that coming. Someone uh. needs to explain to these two what sign for a tip really means on the bill. Uh-huh. And finally, in case anyone is wondering, I have already applied for that guy's old job.
0: <laughs> I'll
1: move to New Zealand are you going to do the
0: unfiltered show from New Zealand? I guess yeah. we can do it clean feed.
1: Uh, that's it before uh, we go good. before yes. we go i told yes. you i'm going to interview yes. that comedian uh, adam ray yeah he's asked that we plug a charity event he has but that uh, that it's not going to the interview is not going to be any good if we wait a week because it's coming up this week and it's going to be on the so do you mind if i plug his event really not quick at all. and not it's, at all it's pretty cool because this event actually helps um, so this
0: is going to be a a podcast for the patrons On the Patreon site, we're talking about new content and coming up with some interesting kind of fun ideas, and one of the ideas is you interviewing stand-up comics, because you've always had a fascination and an interest in that. Yep, give it a try. And so the first one's going to want to plug his chip, but by the time we air it, by the time you finish it in 2023... This charity, this event will have already gone off three times. That's right, exactly. <laughs> three annual times. Go yes. ahead. What is the so uh, charity? So it's February 5th
1: at 7 p.m. Pacific time. It pres- yes. It benefits Northwest Harvest. Oh, really? Which is the Seattle Food Banks yeah. Yeah. because Adam Ray's from Seattle. Oh, okay. And this is a pretty cool show. I I'm pre- I mean, Adam Ray, I mean, he, you know, pe- not everyone knows who he is, but this is a pretty good lineup he's got. So it's, it just says a night of fun and laughs. and mm-hmm. He's got Joel McHale, another Seattle guy, yep. Dana Carvey, which is pretty cool, yep. Sue Bird. Who, okay. knew, who knew she did comedy, but I can't right. wait to see it. Uh, Tom Lennon, hilarious from Reno 911. You'd probably recognize this. Eliza Schlesinger, great comic. Ron Funchis, another great comic. Nice. Adam Devine from Workaholics and Joey McIntyre from The New Kids on the Block.
4: Wow. But he's also but when an actor. Is this?
1: This, is this an online event? It's an online event. However, this is such a cool thing. So if you buy tickets because of social distance, they're going to pick a few people who bought tickets and let them come live. So, okay. you, so you'll hear some laughter. Yeah. It's just easier for the comics, I guess, to right. you know to have a something to bounce on. So some some people who buy tickets are gonna get invited to come down and actually see it with all the precautions nice. in place. Nice. So nice. And, where and, do you go? Where do, where do I go? And by the way, they get more information. They just added Melissa McCarthy. Wow. She she's a pretty big name, if you yeah, know who huge that is. Name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also uh, Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls and the singer from The Head and the Heart. My family loves Head and Hearts. So anyway, you wanna go to rush Rush as in the band, yep. T I X dot com. If you want, and to add, what's
0: the date? February fifth. February fifth. Coming yeah. up. Yeah,
1: you watch it online. Coming yeah. up. Yep, just so, before the Super Bowl. So good okay. for Adam
0: Ray for giving okay. back to the Seattle Food Bank. And, and by the way, on one twenty-eight p. Yes, we will do a tale of the tape. Oh, you're doing that. We're going to do for a you. Super Bowl tale of the tape. If you need one last set <laughs> of statistics to suggest to you who's going to win the game on Sunday, episode, uh, Super Bowl fifty-five between the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Bucks. For those patrons that will be listening to 128p, we'll give you a special tale of the tape. Now, see, I thought I had till September to pay attention. You ruined it. You ruined <laughs> One it. One last time. I got to pay attention We're again? The lighters
6: uh, are out. <laughs> One last encore.
1: Nice.
0: Episode 128. We thank all of you for supporting Mitch Unfiltered. We hope you enjoyed episode 128, which is now officially in the books. <phone rings>